Welcome to episode 162 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And this episode is lazily called Trick or Treat because it is our Halloween episode. And uh, later in the show, we'll be discussing some of our favorite scary games and horror games and what makes a good horror game, atmosphere, jump scare, all that, you know, kind of in honor of the holiday that is only relevant for the first two days of this podcast being I hope up. we do- I hope we haven't done this before in the last five years. I don't think we have. I think really? one year. One year. Really? One year. Really? Really, I know one year we talked about zombie years, zombie multiplayer years. only, and that was it. We don't usually do holidays or anything. Usually we're just like, here's what we're playing. Here's the well, news. there really isn't. I mean, video game related, yeah. Thanks through the Thanksgiving game. I mean, you you never played Pilgrim Simulator seventeen sixteen fifty four, but I mean, I feel like Halloween is iconic of that. Halloween's one of the few won. that would actually make sense, and we somehow never done it in nearly six years. Yeah, interesting. So we're I mean, doing it. It honestly feels like the only holiday that would. We would do something with. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Christmas is more like a, what did you get this holiday season for gaming? I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, that's the first one where you can actually, like, dive into something that's relevant to gameplay and the holiday. So so we're going to do that later in the show. Um, we have kind of an interesting mix. I really hate to make the same cheesy reference twice, but it works. We have a mix of tricks and treats this episode, or treats and tricks, because uh, there's been kind of a one-two punch of news these past few weeks. Uh, on the positive side... Pleasant surprises of Animal Crossing for smartphones being announced, uh, Pokemon Go Gang 3rd Gen Pokemon, Switch Gang OS 4.0, some 3DS and Switch game news. So there's all that good stuff we're going to talk about. And then there's the decidedly less good news, like Nintendo randomly pulling reviews out from under-enthusiast sites, which is kind of weird. Like, no review copies for them, so we're going to kind of dive into that a bit. So there's timestamps for all that at roundtown.com on this episode's blog post. Uh, there's also Jason Sales Corner later on, so... Stay tuned for that. Hold your breath. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, to start us off, though, let's just go straight into perhaps the most pleasant treat, if we're really running with this stupid metaphor, the most pleasant treat of all the treats, the sweetest of the candy, which is the surprise reveal of uh, Animal Crossing's debut smartphone game, Pocket Camp. And uh, you may remember last episode real quick that Someone I... on Twitter pointed out. Yeah. It should have been called Happy Camper. It should have. Oh, wow. What a missed opportunity. Wow. Nintendo. You know, someone's probably like gonna say to us, like, your episode should have been called blah blah blah, and we would be like, now we know. Nintendo well, considering feels. we're calling it trick or treat, it, it definitely could have been called almost anything else, but That's we true. couldn't think of anything. And we got so. lazy, and times of the essence, and we had to record. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you may recall last episode I was saying that I expected Nintendo's upcoming financial report to also be where they revealed Animal Crossing. Turns out the report, which I said we talked about this episode, doesn't actually happen until the day after this goes up. So then Animal Crossing happened before it anyway, I guess, to get on from Mario Odyssey. So half of what we told you would be here is here, I guess. But uh, what's nice about the reveal is um, at least I was surprised by how much is actually packed into this game. Like it's – I think it caught me off guard because it's like just the nature of a smartphone game. You know, like after – after all, like the whole premise of what Nintendo's been trying to do with these smartphone games is like here's this mobile experience that's trying to bring our IP to a new customer and we want to give them a little – bite-sized morsel of what that's like and then now convince them to go get the full game on our consoles and go buy our consoles that's kind of the premise right so like with mario run you see that in that they're just like well mario's about platforming so what if we just did the jumping and not the running and we made a whole game around the jumping and if you want the jumping plus the running like true mario you'll upgrade so to speak into a console or whatever this is not that this is like like i don't know when it first began did it, it felt kind of like that's what nintendo was doing 
they felt kind of like their plan was just like we're giving you a bite-sized piece like i mean they isn't start it still kind of it still feels like a it is but it's all like a toned down like, animal crossing it's toned down but it's toned down every aspect not just cherry picked one aspect in Realm oh no yeah 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 because like, yeah but i mean they're all completely different kinds of games i mean how much more can you break down a mario game with it before well, you, yeah before yeah. it even doesn't even become a game anymore that's true I guess I guess my point they is more took like, away one element out of two I, I that make up the whole game. Yeah, fifty fifty. And no, I added I the whole kingdom builder thing, that which is kind of pointless. <laughs> yeah. but it's nice. But I mean, I do like that every every game that Nintendo has released does is a more complex game than the last. Like we had Mario, then we had Fire yeah. Emblem, and this one just has a lot of things going on, even more than I kept thinking were going to be going on. Yeah, it's funny because like the beginning of the presentation, I thought this was a Mario situation where they, I mean, granted Mario's fifty fifty, but they cherry pick one specific gameplay element. And run with it, and yeah, that I, was yeah, the campsite. It, yeah, I thought it was literally just going to be. It looked like Happy Home Design. Yeah, Tetris in one area. Oh well, yeah, Happy Home Design is kind of like furniture Tetris, isn't it? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean the UI squeeze is, them all together, but yeah, the UI is exactly the same as Happy Home Design, like the furniture oh, yeah. placement and everything. So I was like, oh, it's happy, it's Happy Home Design. I mean, Designer. it's all copy pasted parts from. Well, yeah, 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 but it's just like in a campsite now. But then over like the next, it was what twelve minutes long. So like over the next eleven minutes or so, they just kept building and building on it, and just like. Oh, there's actually... I mean, it's not full Animal Crossing, but they have every facet of the game represented in some way. Like, well, first there's the new thing. First there's um, crafting, which is kind of the main hook of Pocket Camp and also plays really nice into uh, monetization in that instead of finding items in the world, you now find uh, components to make items. You then custom order those items based on how many of each of the components you have, and then that's how you get your furniture. So then they showed that, and it's like, okay, so it's Happy Home Design with Minecraft. Yeah. So it's Happy Home Designer with a monetization hook that kind of mirrors what Minecraft and some free-to-play games do. All right. But then there's like, oh, now the villagers have friendship levels, which kind of feels like taking out Tomodachi Life or Mitomo or something. They've definitely – I feel they've always had friendship levels. They've never they, shown well, No, yeah, it's never been visible to you. Yeah, yeah. there's a whole uh, like algorithm that no, runs yeah, in the background. Definitely. But, I mean, how else do they give you their self-portrait? Yeah. But now you like actually hit goals with these friendship levels to achieve certain things, like yeah. get into your campsite. That's definitely going to get that. carried forward. Yeah, so that that's kind of like, oh, well, that's something new and interesting. And then beyond that, it just ended up becoming Animal Crossing. I mean, this is definitely more of the – to your point, this feels like more of the – Fire Emblem route than the Mario Run route because Fire Emblem is ultimately real Fire Emblem just sort of phone size it's like shrunk down into like bite sized Fire Emblem and this is kind of the same thing I mean think about it instead of placing buildings and landmarks to keep villagers in your town you're plopping furniture to keep them in a campsite so it's the same idea just literally physically yeah. smaller you don't have to worry about their houses you can still yeah. upgrade your camper to have multiple rooms right instead of a house you, you just have a smaller camper instead of traveling between places that camper becomes your map to go to places instead of 330 villagers you have 40 villagers instead of endless places you have five places each of which has a specific purpose like if you want to fish they're still fishing if you want to collect fruit they're still fruit but you take your camper to like the fruit spot the fish spot and then you go do that and maybe talk to a village warrior there so it has, like, everything. It's just very compartmentalized and broken down and kind of, I would say streamlined, but it's not like Animal Crossing was convoluted before or anything, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will tell you. Simplified. I have bad, I, yeah, simplified. I have bad news for you, though. Like I said, there's only 40, 40 villagers in the game, and your buddy Rocco the Rhino did not make the cut. He's your favorite, right? First no, he's all, not your he's favorite. He's a hippo. He's a hippo. You're right. I realized that as I was saying it. And it was he's, Rocco. Is it Rocco? Yeah. So I was right. But I was wrong about his species. Yeah. I also, I also like Hippo. That's right. Hippo's not in it either, I don't think. Uh, I could check that. But I know Rocco's not. I specifically looked up That's Rocco's. one of the best ones. I specifically looked up Rocco so I could break the news to you he on the podcast. He has such a tough guy facade, but deep down inside, he was like a super friendly 
hippo him him and a force of all the characters is one of personalities yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah it uh, he didn't make the cut sadly well i guess i have to hippo might be in there by the way for those that don't know hippo is just uh h-i-p-p-e-u-x because he's french i assume yep he was just funny which is not hippo it's hippo hippo sure or something like that yep but he always said you were as cool as a barrel of pickles did he that was yeah that's that was his default catchphrase i hope animals have catchphrases in this one i know it's out in australia so people in australia if anyone's listening from australia you can actually go download it right now and play it we have to wait till end of november you can play it now i would like someone if they have it to please let us know if catchphrases are still there because i don't remember seeing them in the direct i know they've had new animals like cockatiels or cockatiel looking animals so I have to... does that make up for lack of rocco because well, cockatiels I mean, are your favorite bird well i mean if they're there I don't, oh, know oh, don't know. I just I just know um, New Leaf added some in there, but I didn't even see them because I kind of just once I saw Rocco, I just ignored everyone else and uh, kicked everyone sure. else. Sure, because you're just that one track minded. You're that much tunnel vision for Rocco. Well, no, you let Hippo and oh yeah, 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 and Hippo. Yeah, he was the new the new Hippo on the block. Oh duh, he's pronounced Hippo, just a little more uh on the O. Yeah, because he's a Hippo, not Hippo, not whatever I was saying. Anyway, point is from a pure like does this feel like Animal Crossing perspective. I honestly think Nintendo kind of hit the nail on the head with this game. Like it, even little details, like it keeps using the world, the real time clock. It has events for seasons. It's going to have in-game events on a regular basis. It's all kind of there, but because it's a smartphone game, that also means it comes with, as we sort of talked about before, uh, microtransactions, which I assume is a lesson Nintendo learned from Fire Emblem Heroes. I mean, it's not a gotcha system this time whatsoever. Instead, Nintendo's leaning on the tired and true uh, timer system. That's I guess super common in pretty much every mobile game now, right? Like either you get, for the most part, you either have a game with a timer system or you pay up front for the game. There's not a whole lot of wiggle room in between these days. I guess there's still some. Like Hearthstone, what's Hearthstone do? For what? For like uh, monetization. Is it just you buy booster packs or there's no like timers or limits Mm, or anything? There's no timers. It's just, it's literally just booster packs. They cost, it's 100 coins for booster packs or $1 per booster pack. And obviously the more you buy, the better the deal. Mm -hmm. Like if you buy, if you get, $40 $40 worth of booster packs, you get 50 So you basically get 10 free. So it's character summoning in Fire Emblem. Yeah, it's literally yeah. just that. Which means yeah. that Nintendo has now now has every monetization strategy under their belt on mobile with yeah. the timers. And they just give you a ton of free packs throughout the year, and they make it easy to get coins. So I'm assuming Fire Emblem also makes it easy to get pearls or whatever. Uh, orbs, yeah. Orbs? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, it does. It does. It's mm-hmm. the same idea. So it, And Animal Crossing go work the same way. So like you can do everything in Animal Crossing for free, but if you want to speed things up, you get leaf tickets, and to get leaf tickets, you either buy them with real money or you earn them through the game. So it's even you like... You know what this is exactly like? Huh. It's like My Singing Monster. Oh, yeah. I remember you bashing that, like, what, two years ago on the show? Because that game was literally... Everything was waiting. Yeah. It was a waiting game, and it was a oh, get diamonds so that you could speed things up. This is a waiting game, too. No, seriously, like, if you want to catch a fish, you can only do X amount of fishing before you have to wait or pay. If you want fruit, you have to wait for it to respawn. If you want furniture, you have to wait for it to Which be crafted. Is- it, it, it lets you play Crossing, in bite-sized pieces. Just because that's kind of what Animal Crossing was already, for the most yeah. part. Like, anytime you did anything in Animal Crossing proper, um, you always have to wait a day. If you order something, you have to wait a day. Everything that's is waiting. True. If you build something, you have to wait a day. So that's I true. Feel, it's probably the most natural. And we, and we couldn't even do anything about it. There was no way to speed it up. We just had to wait. So I feel like for, speed up. <laughs> so I feel like for us, it's more like, oh, that's fine. And let it get built at its natural time. Except there was that one thing that the pool that got built in 71 hours... That was it's kind of a long time. Also, like... But I don't know who really needs to have it built that moment or can't wait. No, yeah, are you trying Crossing? to attract 
Gulliver? Like, why Why do you need to pull that fast? Can you, Is Gulliver that important in your life that you can't wait about three days? I mean, the only reason I could think of would be if you're trying to enter a contest for best camp and you have to have certain things built by a certain time. But let, let's be honest. If you're entering a contest for best camp, you should be efficient enough and smart enough to enter before 71 hours before the deadline if you know you need a swimming pool. Yeah. You should at least enter 72 hours before. Just have that extra hour. But yeah, I guess of all games, well, this does. Unless they announce the contest right when the game launches, and they're like, the contest is in like the five days. That'd be a great way to guarantee they make a ton. Oh of no, money yeah, that's right, because like, it's, yeah. it's the only way they're gonna get yeah, a ton of free money. Seriously, yeah. um, but it, it is, I guess, yeah, Animal Crossing. It's, of all the Nintendo properties, the most fitting to have a timer system would probably be Animal Crossing. You're right, and and I, I just love the fact that like the leaf system and ma- paying real money is headed up by Tom Nook. Like, how self-aware of Nintendo to actually be like, here's this raccoon who's really obsessed with capitalism and has this dream of one day, like, you know, just like, he just makes money ever. He's like a capitalist opportunist. And then what if we gave him real money? And then in the game, in the, like, ticket purchasing options, for the most expensive, for I think it's $40 worth of Leaf tickets, they literally show him bathing in a pile of money as the artwork. Like, that is super self-aware of Nintendo. It's pretty great. Um, I mean, so much so that, like, your your mortgage isn't paid off to Tom Nook anymore. Now, because it's an RV, you pay those three birds. So they literally were like, let's just make a new character so we can give Tom Nook all the real money and have someone else deal with the fake virtual money. Like, I really like that logo. Yeah, the, the feather. Yeah. It's also the OK. Yeah, because I mean, aren't, aren't they called OK something? Yeah, they're OK motors. Yeah, they're OK motors. Yeah. yeah. But it's just like, also, are they just going to keep multiplying siblings? Of I mean, first there was Tom Nook. Then his sons, two of them. Yeah, Timmy now Tommy. there's three birds. So is the next monetization thing in the game could be like four characters and then five characters and then six characters yeah is it is it basically gonna be the mafia at some point like the entirety <laughs> of the italian mafia well, but all is like find out in the next game yeah i guess the, so. whatever it is on the switch yeah i wonder if this is gonna connect to switch at all in any way i mean it should i mean the switch is like perfect platform for animal and they crossing. have the nintendo account hookup yeah which reminds me so you can do... it is gonna connect in some way i'm sure you get some furniture maybe you could send it to them i don't know I imagine something like that. And, I mean, this is being built on Unity, which is kind of interesting. Like, it's not Nintendo's own engine. The entirety of Pocket Camp is being built in Unity. So I don't know what that means in terms of portability to, say, the Switch that supports Unity or something like that. Or if the assets can be swapped back and forth super easy because it's the same engine. I don't know how that works, but I'm just thinking out loud. Like, it seems like the option's there. I will say, though, it's kind of annoying. So they have a Nintendo account, obviously. But if you want to visit a friend's camp or exchange items with a friend which you can do in this game much like in the real animal crossing you still need a specific friend code for just this game granted there's probably options to, like find your friends from other services but why are they not all just one list why do you have to like keep re-adding people game by game hmm. it just seems weird like you saw that right in the direct where it's just like you can add yeah. your friend's id code and like we all are switch friends we're all nintendo account owners why don't you just Hit like a one, at least have a import all harder, button. Yeah, why is it hard to exchange that than like phone numbers of people? Seriously, and they're ju- they're longer than phone numbers too, yeah, exactly. by like five yeah. digits. It's yeah, it's it's insane. But but back to the monetization thing for a second. As logical as the timers make, or as logical as much sense as the timers, <laughs> as illogical as that sentence was, but as much sense as the timers make, I do want to point out that as brilliant as I thought Tom Nook as uh, Money Man is, I don't know if all the microtransactions are good like usually Nintendo's pretty decent about this sort of stuff and like the timer system makes sense as you point out but first of all it seems like they're promoting them everywhere already like even in the direct every single screen they showed had like a banner in the corner like special offers sale discounts just like really hounding you with it which is fine if you don't have to press it but then i read that if you want kk slider 
or Tom Nook to come visit your campsite. So if you want KK to come perform perform there like he does in the real game. You actually need to spend real leaf tickets. I mean, you can't like wait till the weekend. I don't. Think like you typically, so. do this, you just play for free on Saturday. I don't. He's like a bum. With a guitar. All I'm gonna say is, um, in the special thing, and the people are from the people that are playing in Australia. If you click the specials, it's like, hey, do you want Tom Nook or KK Slayer to come visit your camp? Just pay like forty-five leaf tickets plus this many other things plus this other thing. And I'm guessing you don't accumulate forty-five leaf tickets that fast. So they're literally putting a premium on KK Slayer. You literally are paying for a concert ticket, like in real life, for a dog to make weird noises at you that are somewhat melodic <laughs> like i don't know it just it seems that kind of bothers me like usually in terms of super good about this stuff but putting like bounties on characters heads to get them to come to your camp is a little seems a little extreme to me maybe maybe leaf tickets are easier to get than i think but at, on surface level that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth i don't know and you don't seem as bothered by it for some reason um i don't know if i'm gonna play this game as long as i imagine in my head so mm. Just go wait and see when it comes out in late November if you really care yeah. enough to pay for KK Slider to come make noises at you. I will probably never pay for KK Slider. I would never pay for I KK would just Slider. be satisfied with the fact that he's not there. <laughs> I mean... I'm just not a fan of his, so, you know. No, I mean, I mean, KK Slider is cool, but, I mean, if I'm already playing a for, like, a like a simplified version of yeah, Animal Crossing, KK. then I'll just assume that he's not in the game. See, hopefully that makes Nintendo realize maybe they should just free KK. You know what KK wants <laughs> free adv- KK. You know what KK wants advocated for actually free music. So when I was reading up on Animal Crossing, uh, I follow Tiny Cartridge on Twitter. They're like kind of a they're you know a portable gaming blog, but they also have some funny tweets and stuff. And they pointed out that in 2005, the New York Times had a whole article about how in Wild World, KK Sliders apparently advocating for uh, music piracy because he makes a comment about like music should be free, man. And is a whole article in the New York Times with comment from Perrin Kaplan, Nintendo's then VP of marketing, about how is this dog trying to promote piracy? Yes or no? So, in light of KK now being behind a paywall, it's kind of ironic that that has resurfaced. But uh, the answer is no. Nintendo said he was not trying to promote piracy. He was just talking about like the free spirit of music or something like that. So, well, makes sense. It does make sense. But the fact that like someone wrote a whole article, man, being a tech writer in 2005 must have been so easy. They're like, this game says something. Let me write five paragraphs about yeah. it. I mean, we need to put food on the table. Yeah, and that's how. Uh, yeah, and, and to be fair, Nintendo, it's not like these Leaf tickets are super expensive either. Like, you can get 20 of them for 99 cents. So, I don't know what $40 gets you if you get Tom Nook bathing in money, like a money pit. But 20 of them for 99 cents, like, I think KK only required, like, a couple hundred. So oh, jeez. That's only, you know... Ten dollars to get a dog to sing at you, but yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I like how it's sing at you, not sing to you. No, you. He's not singing to you. He's he's behind a screen. He doesn't know who you are, where you are, what you are. He doesn't see color, creed. Fine, nothing at your avatar. We're singing to you. Yeah, sing sing to your virtual self, which now for the first time fully customizable in an Animal Crossing game. Wasn't it fully customizable in New Leaf? I don't we, think to you, the were, extent you were able to pick skin tone. I don't and... think you could pick hair and stuff. You could get Not, your hair customed. Yeah, but you have to do it. So, now, I guess, yeah. I mean, it's to, equally customizable. I mean, I mean you have to answer yeah. a questionnaire and people put things on the internet like, all right, if you want this kind of hair, answer it this way. If you want this kind of hair, answer it that way. If you want this color. By the way. You pretty much got to. Everything yeah. was a questionnaire. Same thing with your face. 
Yeah. By the way, that's, just if took, you think about they just it, got rid of that. that's the most Nintendo. That is a great metaphor for the Nintendo as the modern era Nintendo versus old Nintendo. If you look at the Wii U or you look at the uh, New Leaf, they had the most convoluted ways to do the simplest things. Then you come to Switch and Animal Crossing, it's just like, oh, you want to get into a game? You just press it on your screen. You don't have a weird menu system. Oh, you want to get a face? You just pick your face. You don't like go through a, a questionnaire. <laughs> like that's such old school Nintendo thinking, which I kind of miss to be honest. But yeah. Anyway, I was going to say uh, the whole monetization thing from Nintendo's perspective is kind of brilliant because obviously people are going to buy these things, even KK. It's like we're making fun of it, but, you know, if they do stuff like that regularly with new characters, new events, whatever, whatever, they could have this game be a long-term moneymaker for them. I mean, that's a mistake they made with Fire Emblem Heroes up front is that they uh, didn't have stuff ready to go right off the bat. So there's kind of a lull. But now they do events like every couple weeks, and it's doing really well for them. And I guarantee that it's going to end up not just with more people spending more money overall, but I personally will probably end up spending more money overall if they keep pumping out events and doing stuff as they're promising in the direct, which uh, is basically what happened with me with Pokemon Go, is I like just went from never spending money to spending a lot of, not a lot, but spending way more than I anticipated. And I mean, granted, in the case of Go, it took them quite, them being Niantic, quite a while to get that ball rolling. But once they did, they're doing now what I think Animal Crossing is going to be like, where it's just like this steady stream of in-game events. I and forgot Pokemon Go existed. It still how, exists. What are they doing? So, you know, funny you should ask, because I, I, could, I could go on for a bit about this. I still play it from time to time. They just rolled out Gen 3. But I think the turning point in like how it's doing happened back when they brought out Gen 2. Like To give you a history lesson here, Oh boy! I think it happened back with Gen 2, because with Gen 2... Like, they really hit their stride over... So, Gen 2 came out, and people got more engaged. And then they really hit their stride over the summer with those legendary raids, where you go to the gym, and at a certain time, with a group of people, and you can get, like, Moltres, Zapdos, Articuno. I think we talked about it over the summer when it happened. But those raids, at least for me, actually shifted how I played Go, like, entirely. Like, the game was not about just catching Pokemon walking around. For me, at least, it became about, like, catching Pokemon almost exclusively through these raids, like, doing these battles, getting the birds... And then after the birds came the legendary dogs of uh, Suicune and Raikou and Entei and all that. And that was a whole nother wave. Although, actually, I don't know if they're dogs. So I call them legendary dogs. What do you call them? Legendary quadrupeds? Ah, you've, you've done your research on this, haven't you? They are not... So I could have sworn... I could have sworn they were dogs. I, I distinctly I, remember... The- honestly, as a kid, I never assumed what they were. I just thought of them as... Animalist Pokemon. Just, no, like I could just straight up. All my friends, I remember growing up, always called them dogs for some reason. And I was like, "Why are you calling them dogs? They don't." Only Suicune looked like a dog, if anything. Yeah. But Raikou to me looked more like a cat, and Entei just looked like a weird monster. Entei looked like a uh, like um like an old advisor to a political leader. Like he has the beard of like some sort of yeah, but, yeah. But that's yeah. my point. Like <laughs> only one of them resembled a dog yeah. to me, in my opinion. And yeah, so that was pretty yeah, because I I. I could have sworn they were called dogs. Like, I went on Google. I don't think there was any... Yeah, I never, So I went on Google and found PDF scans of the Gold and Silver Player's Guide, the Gold and Silver Pokedex from, like, 2000, and Nintendo Powers that all referenced them. And I was like, they say dogs. I know they say dogs. Each one, beast. And then I'd be like, oh, no, then the next one has to say dog. And I'd Google another one, beast. All of them, beast. Makes sense. So I guess they are quadrupeds or beasts, yeah. Yeah. Regardless, my point is they're now in Pokemon Go. Dumb, dumb. Oh, well. They're now at, I don't know if it's dumb, dumb, or just faulty memory. That's not a stupidity thing. That's a whole nother issue with your brain. I mean, but, that means you could have done the research on your own a long time ago and just always been like, they're but, called but what, beasts. But what, like, 
let's see, 2000, I was 11. What 11-year-old's going to be like, let me Google if they're dogs know. or beasts or cats or quadrupeds. You don't have to Google it. You said you saw it Google referenced on the, on the guide or on I the, thought on I the did. On the manuals. And, it, oh, and then I looked and at you, and not only on top of that, aren't you, well, at least before Nintendo stopped printing out um, instructional guides or booklets. I did read the booklets. Yeah, you always read them. So I don't know how so you, you of, so you of all people, I don't know how you're going to miss that. I didn't know they were called beasts. I just knew they weren't called dogs officially. I also thought in the game they said dog. And I went and found a walk, uh, like a Let's Play video of Gold and Silver on 3DS at this point. Because, you know, they put it on Virtual Console a month ago. Also says beasts. Yeah. I, I, in other words. I'm surprised you, you specifically. I, it, you know, it makes everything I say in this podcast completely questionable. Like, I think I know what I'm talking about. Do I? You might have to turn off now because, like, Sometimes. apparently I'm, I'm untrustworthy. <laughs> but but my point about the dogs, beasts. See, I'm still doing it. My point about it's the fine. It, I think it's the whole Berenstain, Berenstain thing. What? Berenstain bears. How some people swear it spells Berenstain with an e, I-E, or some people say it's spelled with an I-A. I've never heard that debate before. Oh. All I know is Michael Sarah voiced the little boy bear. Oh, it's a thing. I mean, how do you think it's spelled? Berenstain. Like, Weinstein. Except without the sexual assaults. Like I-E? E-I-N. E-I-N? Yeah. It's actually with the name. What? Yeah. Man, you're just calling in question everything I've ever said. So, is I, Ammo, I, wait, is Ammo Crossing Pocket Camp a real thing that happened, or did I just make it all up? Is that a real game? No, that actually happened. Okay, what about Pokemon Go? Have I just been wandering the streets with a phone on my home screen, not knowing there's no game there? Yeah, that was actually My Little Monsters. Oh, and I was collecting diamonds and doing timers. It all makes sense now. But anyway, no, Pokemon Go, I was going to say. So, yeah, the raids. I, where, where was I? I was talking about the raids, right? Oh, yeah, so that shifted the game for me. Um, And then it's interesting because, like, I used to only care about Pokeballs. That was the only item that mattered to me. And then when the raids happened, suddenly Pokeballs were literally worthless, and all I cared about were potions and revives and super potions. And I'd actually have to spend money occasionally to get those because I'd have too many you Pokeballs. Filling money up my, I have Go? spent at least $10 on Pokemon Go. Oh, that's not that much. I know. But for me, for someone who's planning to spend zero, that means ten separate instances. I already failed. That's ten separate instances of me going, all right, and caving. So, but yeah, um, the the raids were a thing we talked about before, but what Niantic has done since then, which kind of just further accelerates this timeline, like they're actually on top of doing events regularly, is they did uh, special EX raids, as they call them, from YouTube. And what that required is you actually had to receive an invitation with a set time and place of where to go and when to go, obviously um because the idea is that these bigger better raids for pokemon like mewtwo would require dozens upon dozens if not hundreds of people kind of like in the original pokemon go trailer where there's like everyone's swarming times square and they're like oh my god look at the mewtwo that no one else can see because it's not real because it's on my screen but yeah so it's like that situation and they were trying to do that and when it rolled out which i think is like two months ago now i never really brought it up on the show because a i never got an invitation and b the, the way you go about doing it just felt kind of off. So, like, I didn't really have a reason to bring it up. Like, I was just like, this is so weird. Because, like, it's nothing new for a game to have set events, I feel like. You know, like, Splatfest and Splatoon. That happens all the time. Double XP weekends and Call of Duty have been going on for years. But in both those cases, they go on for, like, at least a full day. Usually two. The the Pokemon Go thing is like, hey, are you free at 6.30 to go, like, to Staples Center? Because there's a Mewtwo there if you want to drive over. So, it's, I mean, granted, it's not quite that limited. But it's a little, like... A little more demanding of your time, and then you get in this weird situation where, like, not everyone gets an invitation. So, like, Splatfest, anyone can do. Call of Duty, Double XP Weekend, anyone can do. But with the invitation system, they seem to send it out a little willy-nilly, so you may 
sometimes be the enthusiast that's going to go and gets an invitation, and sometimes you may be the enthusiast that wants to go but never gets the invitation. So you get a situation where, like... Maybe it's a level cap thing? It doesn't seem to be. It doesn't seem to be based on level. It doesn't seem to be based on how much real in-game money you spend. It doesn't seem to be based on how much you play. That's what people are confused by. Like, there's no set guaranteed way you can get one. How many Pikachu do you have? Possibly. I have eight, last mm. I counted, which may be, like, too, too low. I don't know. But but what, what, what I think the problem is is, like, so you have whatever stipulations to go or not go or get it or not get it, and then you don't, you don't know who gets it. So you have a problem where, like, there are, let's say there are 50 Go players. 25 of them may want to go. 10 of them may get in. You may need 15 to go do mute, fight Mewtwo and win or whatever. So then 10 people show up. They don't have enough. They lose. They give it another shot another time. They still don't have enough. They lose. They don't get the invitation the one time there is enough. And then they just say, screw it. So it's like it's kind of this whole like – because eventually there's only so many times you're going to keep trying until you realize not enough people are doing it. Or maybe you're the lesser enthusiast and you decide to go one time, but then no one else went because everyone else like never got to their invitation. It's all the lesser people at that point. You know what I mean? Like there's always scenarios where they're basically setting it up to – I wouldn't say set it up to fail, but they're making it very hard to like be exactly how they envisioned it. So I don't – like it's I mean, kind of I a guess, mess. I guess I have to limit how many people are there because then, I don't know, the connection will start sucking. I think that's part of it, but it's just kind of a mess of how they implemented it. The good news is that Niantic actually has heard all this feedback from the Go community, and they're confirming – they've confirmed on Twitter through their uh, through their Twitter account that they plan to address it. They're going to update the, the invitation system to make it more logical, <laughs> I guess. And and that's good because going back to my main point about in-game events being critical to like Animal Crossing and how it's affected me with Pokemon Go, that – is how you keep app engagement up and you keep the money flowing is you make it accessible to as many people as possible in as many ways as possible. So like to Niantic's credit, outside of these uh, EX raid weird situations, they actually get that now. They've gotten that since Gen 2. They, I don't think it's coincidence that like they are volleying between doing raid events and then doing new Pokemon and then doing raid events and then doing new Pokemon because now they're getting people to basically play two sides of the same game, two sides of the same coin instead of just always catching or always raiding so like the raids were the big thing over summer and early fall now for halloween they're switching back to catching pokemon they're doing psychic and dark and ghost types for halloween like this week and included are the very first gen 3 pokemon to bring it all full circle with my first gen 3 comment so you got people like uh Shuppet and duskull and dusclops and all that all now available in the game and then in december they'll roll out the rest of gen 3 and it like besides it i think kind of cool to see gen 3 show up it's also a pretty savvy move on Niantic's part because, at least in my opinion, um, they now they got everyone to start buying things for raids, and now they're like, oh, by the way, you need Pokeballs again. So unless you've been stockpiling Pokeballs because you've still been going to Pokestop and just haven't been using them, you're probably going to now need to go buy some Pokeballs, or you're going to need some easy ways to get Pokeballs, or at least you're going to get back in the game and start engaging the whole cycle of everything all over again. So kind of works on multiple levels. And if you think, if you think this isn't going to work, I would just like to point out that a year ago, one of the highest revenue periods of Go was Halloween week, 2016, when they did something like this a year ago. So it will, because, you know, people are out anyway, trick-or-treating or whatever. So potentially, if Animal Crossing were to go down this path and learn from what Niantic has been doing for the better part of the past year, um, I think it's got a very bright money-making future for Nintendo while also keeping people like you who don't think they're going to play very long, probably playing longer than they anticipate. Well, we'll see. Yeah, yeah that, that's just my two cents on it, but who knows? Who knows? While we're talking Pokemon, though, can we take a detour for a minute? Can we talk about Detective Pikachu? Fine. 
Do you, you, it, I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about, but for, right? The, the, oh, yeah, the game I wish was over here. So, no, not, not the game. So the I know game, the movie. The, the movie. game is a cool concept in that you have a Pikachu. It's almost like, hey, you Pikachu, but Pikachu's wearing a Sherlock Holmes hat and can solve crimes. So, that's cool. But the movie is a CG live-action hybrid being directed by the dude who directed um, Monsters vs. Aliens, Shark Tale, and Goosebumps, a guy named Rob Letterman. It's being written by a Marvel Ooh, screenwriter. Man, I don't know named, if you want Shark Tale on your resume. Uh, yeah, I know. And it's being it's being written by a Marvel screenwriter named Nicole uh, Perlman, and it's also being written by the creative director or creative director, the creator of Gravity Falls, uh, Alex Hirsch. That's the silver lining. Gravity Falls has a great reputation, so maybe there's hope. But the reason I bring it up, I did watch that series. The reason I bring it up is how is it? Is it good? I've heard good things. It's entertaining. But is it good? Did you enjoy your time with it? I enjoyed my time with it. Okay. I feel like um, I don't know. I like uh, like any fan base. I feel it's maybe it has more hype than it deserves, mm. but it was still a good show. I see. Kind of like Stranger Things. I thought it was I thought it was fun and all right, but I feel like people just fall in love with it. I, I fell in love with it. What you I don't know. Maybe it's the nostalgia stuff. I don't oh, know. it's totally the nostalgia. Well, no, it predates my nostalgia. I wasn't I wasn't alive in '83. Uh, yeah, I, I just liked it, but I like like sci-fi stuff like that, so it makes sense. I would but yeah yeah anyway Detective Pikachu um yeah so this movie first of all it's like the weirdest thing I think Pokemon Company has ever done a talking Pikachu detective in a live action hybrid movie starring who knows who like they Pokemon Company does weird stuff they had that music video for Slowpoke that amounted to reggae for stoners but about Pokemon so this isn't too crazy for them to do something like this but the reason I'm bringing it up now specifically is because four potential finalists for Pikachu's voice have surfaced. And sadly, while Danny DeVito is what the internet wants, it is not what the studio wants. Instead, the studio is looking to pursue either Hugh Jackman, Ryan Reynolds, Mark Wahlberg, or Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Now, to be fair, none of them have had any meetings with the studio yet. This is just their wish list of their, their final four candidates that they'd like to talk to. But, like, even if that's the case, do they seriously want Mark Wahlberg to voice Pikachu? They want Pikachu to have, like, a Bostonian accent and be like, say hi your mother for me every, like, two lines? Like, really? <laughs> Mark Wahlberg? I and, mean, like, Ryan Reynolds would work, but do they really want Deadpool and Pikachu to share a voice? Do they want kids to hear Pikachu when they're watching, like, say the F word in Deadpool? Like, it just doesn't... It's weird. The Rock is probably the best choice. Or Hugh Jackman. Like, The Rock makes sense because he's done Moana. He has experience with voice acting. He has the charismatic voice. A little too deep for Pikachu, I feel like, but maybe this is a rough I, I, and tumble I feel, Pikachu. Like, I feel like that shouldn't matter. I mean, yeah. the voice for Hey, for Hey Pikachu, for Detective Pikachu in Japanese was a very deep, deep, gruffy, yeah. so the rock, gravelly voice. That so. actually be perfect for Hugh Jackman. He could do a great gravelly voice. Yeah. But so yeah, those two, and Hugh Jackman has a lot of experience with all sorts of different things. He's a musicals and action movie, so he could slot in, and the Rock could slot in. I just don't. I'm not feeling Mark Wahlberg at all. Like really, I don't know. I mean, who would you pick up the four? You you watch a lot of animated stuff based on you. You're gonna go into animation based on your like animation knowledge. What what do you think is the best fit for something like this? Of those, guys? I mean, of those four, probably just The Rock, I guess. And because he's the most neutral in terms of being able to do more range. Yeah, his voice is very. He could do a lot of different voices. I feel he yeah. like. I mean, not like oh, he could sound like someone that completely different, like high pitched. But I mean, he could sing apparently. Yeah, like yeah, I mean, he, he could. <laughs> Obviously, make his voice sound like different enough from Wana. Like it just, yeah. I mean, from Maui, but well, Hugh Jackman maybe after. But yeah, it's just everyone uh, with those four. 
this whole if this is even true it's a rumor ign reported by way of a podcast so who knows but the the, the thing that just bothers me about it is like even the fact that mark Wahlberg and nothing against mark Wahlberg, but even the fact that he and the others are in the running for this just it kind of gives me this weird feeling that i don't know is the studio not approaching this correctly like are they not doing right by the franchise it just seems weird to make pikachu bostonian i don't know like granted it's all rumors. Maybe one of these choices will be surprisingly perfect. Maybe, for all we know, a Bostonian Pikachu is what we all secretly needed in life. Well, I mean, what if it takes place in Boston? It's an adaption. They could do whatever I they guess, want. I guess. I guess. But, like, the Bostonian accent's associated with, like, drinking a lot. Like, the Irish population is Pikachu. Nothing against Irish people. I'm just saying, like, it's Pikachu, like, an oh, Irish cop that lives in the serious. suburbs. Like, there's, like, a stereotype that goes with that accent, which is not true of everyone in Boston by any means, but, like, Mark Wahlberg's voice is that stereotype's voice to a T. So it's just kind of, I don't know. But the whole thing just makes me feel like I hope the studio isn't treating this like the Super Mario Brothers movie in terms of, like, trying to trying a little too hard to make it more movie-like and more, like, unique and less true to the game. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. But I saw that and I was just like, what? So I thought I'd bring it up. And Boston, you're a great city. I love you. Don't take it the wrong way. Uh, so talking Pikachu's aside, the other surprise from Nintendo these past few weeks, besides Animal Crossing, was uh, over on the Switch, where they released a new 4.0 firmware update for the system. actually includes a fair amount of stuff in it. Uh, you can now transfer your profiles and saves. You can use USB-based wireless headphones when docked. You can do game pre-purchases like Wii U had for years. Uh, there's new user profile icons, except not the one you would presumably want, Wedding Bowser. Yeah. He's not there. They Dropped ever- the ball on that one. They really did. Although, I don't know. I feel I would probably stick with the one I have. I just really love that art. That's the oh, oh, the, the 2D Bowser art? Yeah, the 2D Bowser you know, art. Or the 2D Mario art. Like, just all that art in general, I just feel it's really, did really you great. Know, Miyamoto actually just did an interview the other day with Game Informer about that art. I and did. I yeah, the, the Mickey Mouse. He was com- like, they're comparing Mario to Mickey Mouse and how you have different art styles in different situations. And basically, they kind of left an open-ended, not question, but open-ended idea of what if a whole Mar- 2D Mario game looked like that art in motion. That would be cool. It'd be interesting. It'd be cool. It'd be a nice change of pace from the new, from the new series. Oh, I think we need to be as far away from the new series. No, I think wrong. Nintendo knows. I, that. I mean, I love the new series. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Nintendo knows anything that. but new at this point. Old Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, <laughs> which I think is really confusing because what's the original in that case? I guess original Super Mario Brothers. It's like Coke and New Coke, and then original Formula Coke. Yeah, it's just a really unfortunate naming scheme that it really they chose. Is. Nintendo had some serious naming issues it, it's for almost, about it's almost 10 like, years. It gives whole new meaning to their definition of like evergreen. Like forever it will be new. Forever. Yeah, seriously. It's like never going to get old. It's always, again, it's never going to get old. That's, that, that, was, old. that was their thing. It's going to be like four years. Mario now. never gets old, therefore it's always new. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to be classic new Super Mario Brothers in like 10 years. It's going to be really confusing. <laughs> classic and new? What? I don't understand. Class, yeah, I. but um, yeah, it's regards to that though. Um, there's also the main reason I bring up the update is besides all that, they have also added video capture. So, retroactively, if you press the capture button and hold it for two seconds, it'll grab the last 30 seconds DVR style of what you just did and save it as a video for you. Yeah, so you could think of your switch as always recording the last 30 seconds yeah. and just activating it whenever. The, the problem is it has to be turned on manually on a game-by-game basis by the developers, which means as of right now, only four of Nintendo's first-party games, five actually, Mario Odyssey, Zelda, Mario Kart, ARMS, Platoon, they are the only ones that support it, and literally nothing else does. Mutant Mutt's collection will when it comes out in the next like down a month or so, but if the devs don't explicitly allow it to work, it simply won't work. Which to How me is a little odd. Is it 
hard to do it? I don't know. I mean, it kind of sounds like it's a switch that they have to, like, a physical giant switch that they have to just... It's a lever. You know know the um, the minigame in Mario Party where you have to, like, uh, push down on the lever and Bowser's head explodes or doesn't? Yeah. It's that, and either it turns on video capture or it retracts your license to develop for Nintendo. So that's why they're not doing it. They're afraid to Mm. take the action. No, I don't know. It's I don't quite get it. Because it's weird because everything else about the Switch seems system level like everything else screenshots overlay menu overlays notifications it's all there on system level so why is the video specifically not like that is really annoying yeah like don't get me wrong it's great that Nintendo's fulfilling their promise from before like the switch launch they're gonna have video and i think it's a surprise to everyone that came out this year at all I don't think I forgot but that was going to be a feature. I forgot I, it was going to be a feature, too. Because I was hoping it would be there from the very beginning. Yeah. Because, I mean, PlayStation, um, last time I remember asking Elvis, it always records the last 15 minutes. Yeah. So, if anything happens, you're always sure that you're going to grab that special little moment that happened. Oh, you mean like that time you recorded me sucking as Darth Vader in, ba- in Battlefront? That's on YouTube, too. It is on YouTube. That it's, was, uh, that's it's also great. on Twitter. That is great. It's quality content that that's you can only content. get from me. Um, yeah, we should definitely post a link to that. It's yeah, quite... we can we can link to it. Put put a note on the timesheet for it. Um, okay. Like just write. I don't know. Okay, what what oh, right. at? Yeah, just throw yeah, it on there. Something. Oh, insights inside inside uh, information, guys. We have a timesheet we update as we go. Whew. that's how we get the timestamps for you at the website. Yep. I mean, it's not like we actually go back and listen to ourselves. That'd be crazy. So. But yeah, it's uh, the thing I was gonna say is like it, it is weird that PS4 doesn't have it or had it from the start but switch didn't but it's nice that it's there now and obviously it has the advantage of becoming an instant marketing tool for nintendo yeah, i've already used it a lot yeah i mean people are gonna share all sorts of crazy funny moments mario odyssey has already inundated my twitter feed and it's been out for officially as of this recording uh 39 hours or so and it's already, already completely taken over my feed yeah. and i already so. beat it by two o'clock today yeah, I'm impressed. We will have impressions. It was only six hours long to get to the really? ending. I don't know if Did it... you just like power through like speed run it? Well, that's what I do with every mainline three D Mario game. I always just take one straight pass to the to the final boss and mm. then I go back and hundred percent it. Uh so you're only scratching the surface even though you technically yeah, beat it, but, quote unquote. But even though I feel like this what it's what I've played is shorter to get to there than other games. I don't know. Well, it's, we'll, it's more. Well, it's yeah. more of the. Uh, I mean, we'll discuss it in two weeks because I. Yeah. I still need to pick up my copy at Best Buy. I've been so busy the last couple of days. But we. Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's because it's more of the sandbox thing and less of the linear path. So the linear path is probably very direct, but they want you to go poke around the sandbox and explore a bit. It's like a. It's like a series no. of small Breath of the Wilds, except a little more fine tuned and not based on fi- and the you know not based on. Yeah. Physical no, yeah. I mean, there's definitely plenty more to say, yeah. and I mean, the post game stuff could completely change my current stance on the game. Not that it's a bad stance, but yeah, I, I've yet to. You're probably, it, it, well, you think it's short, so there's that. That's a stance. No, well, I mean, no, I, I don't think it's short. Yeah, I just think uh, getting okay. to the final yeah. boss is short, and I'm hoping that's not the end of the final boss. Because oh, uh, I see what you mean. Yeah, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's already all over my feed. It's all because you know the video feature. Like people aren't necessarily. I mean, the screenshot tool helps too, but a lot of stuff I'm seeing is silly things in video form. So it's cool. Nintendo has it there. Um, but yeah, I don't know why it's game by game, like. It's, it's really confusing as an end user because if you are not as savvy about the Switch as we are and you don't happen to listen to the quality content of the Random Nintendo podcast, you don't know only certain games have it. So you buy a Switch, you turn it on, you take a video in Mario, you're like, oh, that's fun. And then you want to go take your awesome score in FIFA and it's just like, no. 
They're like, what do you mean no? It's just like, no. It literally just says cannot do video, and there's no explanation. Well, so. hopefully it's not too much longer before we get longer recording times, because I hope people can start recording, like, entire matches or something. Yeah, so like, I don't want talk of that. Like, I mean, for Smash Brothers, when it eventually comes out, like, this is perfect for little highlights, but if you want to post the whole game, like a yeah. grand finals or blah, 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 or something... Like, I mean, you need at least two minutes or something. There, there is talk of that. So according to Kotaku UK, who, uh, wow, I, I like skip. I skipped as if I was a CD, but I'm a real human. I'm like, UK. But according to Kotaku UK, uh, they, by the way, they hired uh, Laura Kate Dale, the rumor, Switch rumor lady. Sure. The one who got like Mario and Rabbids 100% right, like six months before it happened and yeah. knew all stuff about the Switch. We talked about her so much before the Switch I know exactly out. who you're talking I'm about. I'm sure you don't, but um, she – Not Emily Watson. Not Emily Rogers. Oh, sure. Although Emily Rogers has also had her oh, Rogers. correct information. Yeah. The two of them were actually – I mean no one's 100%. Your sources aren't always accurate, but the two of them were surprisingly on point for a lot of things. So – Laura Kate Dale probably a little more than Emily Rogers. Actually, no, probably about equal. But anyway, Emily Rogers just fell out the face of the earth. No, she's still around. I follow her on Twitter. She follows me on Twitter. Oh, I don't know. I just feel like her name. Well, I guess because it's not E3 season, but usually no. She she stopped doing rumors. Oh, okay. She she's actually making her own game for uh, an indie game with a couple friends for I, guess I think Switch. Because usually, like, her name pops up a lot more on Go Nintendo or just she backed news. off. She backed off the rumors because she, she's getting tired, understandably, of people like just wanting to behead her every time she got every time she put out a rumor whether it's true or not people are just like after her so uh, to be fair this is my opinion like i'd rather just people just stop with rumors whether they're true yeah or not. well they did luckily yeah. <laughs> no yeah because i mean rumors are fun like i mean rumors are fun in, I, in I, like, I, I like speculation i like when you're saying like, like oh man i hope this next game has this or that or that yeah instead of like oh i found out the next Smash Bros. has this character, that character, and that character. Well, we'll see. Well, I think... Well, I think uh, or Mario Rabbids is coming out. Like, I mean, yeah. it just takes the whole fun out of it. It literally... Like, Mario Rabbids would have been an awesome thing to find out. It would have. And and I feel bad for the team because the, the lead developer, the, the, yeah. the creative director, the guy that teared up at E3 when Miyamoto called him out, which was still, like, my favorite E3 moment of all time, um, he said morale was really low when the first image leaked of, of Rabid Peach, which was like, you know, two weeks before it was announced. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, we sort of made fun of it too. And it ended up being, not like harshly, but it was like, there's, there's no way. It ended up being such a good game. So like, yeah, sometimes yeah, the rumor mill hurts. It, like the other day. My copy, in fact, yeah. Yeah, your copy. My copy. Yeah, he yeah, he's put more mileage into than I have at this point. Yeah, it was pretty, but, pretty, it's pretty good watching him play because he refused to go on until he got a perfect run on every single level as he went along so he probably I originally tried to do that and then i gave up very fast no yeah he <laughs> he probably could have beaten the game like the day after like you mm-hmm. gave it to him but yeah but yeah it's a really solid game and the rumor mill hurt it so yeah. now i think i think rumors really hate rumors i think part of it rumors are great when you're not confident in the source if that makes sense when it's like plausible enough that you can speculate on what it means or what it could be that's kind of fun but as soon as like laura kate dale or emily rogers became so reliable that everything they said was basically gospel it kind of sucks out of the fun out of it i mean i'm okay when we're like... speculating on patents i think it's always fun yeah. to comment on patents because they may or may not ever do anything with them boy we were so spot on with those just but, our own horn here. i don't know in, in general i just kind of wish there yeah. were just no room to conquer well, I mean, luckily yeah. for you they're they're both not doing much so the only thing that laura kate well she's now well they're not the only ones either well so. yeah of course but she's yeah. There's also um oh what's his name Doctor Cupcake or something on Twitter the guy that runs Beta sixty four Liam something. Oh, I was hoping he weren't didn't have anyone like that's already on the ready. Well, I, he he does Beta sixty four. He's the guy that does all his videos about like when game development. Oh yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah. But like when it's not done. 
but uh, I don't think he has as much rumor. He has more like he confirms or denies current speculation versus in bringing his own to the table. But oh, that's cool. But yeah, Laura Dale, like I started to say, she now works for Kotaku UK. And to your original point, like five minutes ago about um, videos being extended, she says, and she has sources that um, Nintendo actually wants to get three minute, one minute, five minute segments going for a single video. But they first want to make they're basically stress testing the video feature right now. So they want all their first party games to have it. They want all the major third-party games that use Nintendo properties, including Mario and Rabbids, of course, and Fire Emblem Warriors, to get it. And they want some larger third-party releases like Standard to have it. And then once that's out and it's all being stress-tested across multiple games, they'll then be able to just, in theory, do a second update that extends the time. Why it requires two, why it requires separate games in the first place, I still could not tell you. But, uh, or not separate games, but separate updates per game. But if they can get, like, two minutes that would be amazing because right now like it's a bit of an odd situation where either you do a quick capture of a small accomplishment or you kind of pre-plan what you want to do and then kind of run through it and hope it's within 30 seconds but if you could just have multiple minutes and then crop it down to what you need or trim it down to what you need that that would be a lot better so so we'll see um i mean yeah again manual games need to manually support it so in order for any game to do it right in the first place it first needs to support it and then we can worry about it from there but but separate from that Buried in 4.0 was another little update uh, that almost kind of cancels out any sort of ill will I have towards how they're implementing video. And it's very random. It's very cool. It's that GameCube controller support is now built into the Switch. I don't know who thought of trying this. I don't know why they felt the need to try it. But someone plugged in the Wii U GameCube controller adapter to USB one into USB port on the dock of the Switch. They put the Switch in the dock. They boot up the Switch, and sure enough, it worked. So you, if you want, you can play Mario Odyssey with the Resident Evil 4 Chainsaw. Or if you want to be like a guy on Reddit I saw the video of, you can play ARMS using DK Bongos. And it it legitimately works. So, I, well, I don't know. The more serious suggestion is you can, you know, use a WaveBird. So you can have your Switch plugged into the TV, and if you really prefer a WaveBird, you could technically play with a WaveBird. The buttons don't match up perfectly, but, yeah. you know, they're pretty close. But th- those scenarios aside, I think the biggest question is probably why, why is this here? What? Um, <laughs> it's cool, no. but why? It's random. I mean, I, I don't know. I read a... I actually don't even know what the something I read or watched, but they were asking Reggie, like, why... Oh, it's Kotaku. Yeah, why it's in yeah. there, and apparently they were just, just future-proofing, like, all right, let's just support third-party controllers. Yeah, see, I don't buy that. And it just happened to also work. Yeah, I don't buy that. The whole, like, well, we're going to support... He, yeah, he made a comment about third-party adapter support, yeah. and it's like we were surprised that the GameCube worked as you was as, as you were. Reggie's grammar's not so great, I guess, as you was. <laughs> but uh, it's I don't know. That just seems a little too convenient. Like I don't think someone at Nintendo like flipped a switch, plugged in a GameCube controller, was like, "By golly!" Like they they had to have known because that's to know what to map the buttons to, doesn't it? Like there's no button mapping ui or no. anything so like how does it know that like what third-party adapter support is he talking about there's nothing else is there anything else i don't even think there is so mm-hmm. i'm not quite i might like does this lead does this to you lead uh lend a credence to the possibility of smash being this wii u port like is this them priming the pump for that maybe or perhaps uh, my theory is maybe it's that a, sounds like the most plausible thing i mean one of the first things i thought of was like oh smash is definitely coming next year yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, like, if you're doing smashes in esports, like in March or something, that'd be cool. If you're, then my theory that it would have been at the for, world championship would have made sense in time for um, 
for e- no not for e3 for evo for evo but that's in august oh so people can train up yeah, yeah. it's yeah. in august yeah. next year yeah instead of july yeah yeah now that would also make they sense. literally won't even have to train because it's, it's, the, same it's the exact same game same controller that it's just going to be up to them whether they want the, the I'm assuming, characters. yeah the new characters to be yeah. new or not which i think last year they didn't allow lucas or well not last year though like two years ago Here's a second thought Damn, about here's a second thought about why that would make sense. If you're playing Smash as an eSport and you want to use a game controller, that also means you're not playing wirelessly and you're not playing in portable mode because you need to hook it to a big display. So if that's the case, who cares if the game controller only works by plugging into the dock? It, it solves your specific use case of eSports. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But my personal theory is it's not maybe not so much Smash, or maybe it's also Smash, but I think it's laying the groundwork for a real GameCube virtual console. So I, so I, I honestly think it's never going to happen. Well, I mean, wh- why? Why not? Um, just got feeling with no actual information or reasons to back it up. Cool. Or Here, I'll give you a reason. Jason, it'd probably be more... Uh, they could make more revenue off doing HD remakes of those games, like they did with Wind Waker. Why would they release Mario Sunshine exactly the same on, on Switch, eShop, when they can... HD it, put it on the Switch eShop, and put it in stores. There you go. There's your argument. Thank you. And my counter-argument would be, you're absolutely right, but to bring up my own point from a long time ago, remember when I was saying uh, I think virtual consoles got to go kind of premium? Yeah, weren't they going to do a Netflix So they're doing deal? a Netflix thing for like NES and Super Nintendo, as of now at least. In 2018, it comes with every Nintendo Online subscription, um, 20 bucks a year. Uh, but they have this whole backlog or well of games they can pull from like you know n64 gamecube wii and they don't have a way to those are not going to be in the subscription because those alone could be worth 20 bucks a pop not you know for all of them so my theory is they could very easily you know make a gamecube virtual console sell for 15 or 20 bucks you pop in the controller if you want to play authentically or you just use the switch controller and it works fine uh, and the authenticity would be for when you need the analog triggers, which, you know, the Switch doesn't have. It only has digital triggers. So, like, F0GX could use it to its advantage or whatever. Uh, and then if they want to have it in stores, just in the last month or two, Nintendo rolled out having download card displays in stores everywhere. Like, I'm seeing it everywhere. It's not just, like, a select store or a select section of a store as a pilot program. You walk into a Best Buy, you walk into a Target, you walk into a Walmart, they have a wall of just, like, DLC cards, game full game downloads, eShop credit. So it's very easy for them to still sell it in stores, yet save on the packaging of the box and the manual and everything because you're just getting a little download card. There you go. My counter-argument to your <laughs> argument that I made. I, I it, This proves this can be a one-man shutdown game. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I think it's probably for that is my gut feeling. But at the same time, they did follow up the update with a 4.0.1 update that turned off the GameCube support again, sort of. Like, if you had it so it knew that you synced it once, like, because it has to detect the controller the first time, it erased those detections and you had to, like, redetect it. So they're toying with it, but it's still there. Just requiring you to reset. So I think they're optimizing it for whatever sort of virtual console thing they'll do down the line. Weird. That's my theory. I don't know why they would put that publicly. Maybe it was a mistake and they are just like, well, too late to put the, like, worm back in the can or everything back in Pandora's box, but... Wait, worm back in the can. Does that make sense? That makes no sense. Can <laughs> no. of worm. No, that made zero sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if you keep <laughs> if you keep worms in cans, that's how you put them back. 
Uh, what was I thinking? I mean, it works. It worked. You don't have to give those like gag things where you open the can. Yeah, and it, it is a can them. of worms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not crazy. No. Yeah. It, right. it works. It just sounded a little awkward. Yeah. Like lava, I say. But yeah, nonetheless, GameCube controller is pretty neat to see it supported. And while Switch was getting its system updates, check out this transition. While Switch was getting its system updates, Nintendo was also giving us some game updates on the 3DS with a couple tidbits on games on the horizon. And since we haven't really talked about 3DS in a little while, uh, it seems like kind of a good moment to do so, especially in light of that really awesome-looking Super Nintendo Edition 3DS that uh, XL that randomly popped up on Amazon out of nowhere the other day. You see that? Yep. Yeah, no announcement, no press release. Nintendo still hasn't put out a press release as far as I know. But you can get it with Super Mario Kart preloaded on it for 200 bucks if you're interested. It's at Amazon.com. And if you're riding the hype of the classic and the Forever 21 collaboration and all that, seems like this is something you need to buy just you need to have it in your life so it's there for you but anyway cool it does look really cool but anyway on to the games um there's two to talk about there's mario party the top 100 and there's kirby battle royale and i think the bigger story here is probably mario party the top 100 in part the game that shouldn't have been on 3ds it really should have been well you know what after what i now know about it, i'm okay with it on 3ds if it means a true mario party collection on switch down the line because why not both i mean because then they could just put all the mini games plus the boards of Mario Party into the Switch one. So they're going to sell you like a half game and another half game. And don't counter with, well, that's what Snipperclips was and Snipperclips Plus is. But <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It just seems it seems like it made more sense to just compile them all. And this is sort of a stopgap thing for the holidays. But but the thing that... I mean, it's just personal quibbles. I just wish, I just wish they... I mean, it, yeah. I mean, Perfect World, they didn't announce this. Wait till... They pretty yeah. much have oh, the yeah. for the Switch, blah, blah, blah. Well, Perfect World for you was also they just didn't announce the Wii U and then the Switch just happened. Didn't you say that a while ago to me? Um, like, Wii U had its perks, but I feel like at one point when the Switch first came out, you're like, I kind of wish the Wii U just was the Switch and there was no Wii U. <laughs> I distinctly maybe. remember this. I don't know. I mean, it seems like... Possibly. You know, yeah. Who knows? It's such a like better like, realization of what Wii U was supposed to be. Yeah. Minus the asynchronous, or asymmetric gameplay, which is cool, but underutilized. Anyway... I guess we'll never know. We'll never know. Mario Party. So the modes. What I'm getting at is we we know the modes now, and it's a bit disappointing, I guess. Um, like when Nintendo said the game was all about mini games, it turns out they really meant it was all about mini games. Like all the mini games, there's a hundred of them, as the name implies. They're divided into different packs. So you got like the sporty pack, the skill pack, brainy, lucky, that sort of stuff. And if you're playing multiplayer, you get one of two ways to play these mini games. <laughs> one of two. Don't get overwhelmed now. Yeah, don't don't get overwhelmed. I mean, technically, you could play any of them on demand. So there's that. But if you want to play any sort of mode that they're like built into, you get two options. In championship battles, uh, you get to pick the game pulls from your favorite pack, all the different mini games, and whoever wins three first or five first is the winner. And then in the decathlon, the game throws five or ten preset mini games in a row at you and whoever has the high score at the end of the five or ten is the winner those are the multiplayer modes like that's it there's no other there's no board there's no that that's it wasn't you it recorded get, at some point that there was a board of sorts so there is a board if you're playing single player oh. and that is a throwback to old mario Party because they're bringing back minigame island which i think was in like mario party two three something like that but basically you travel through four worlds and you're on like a little Mario Party map looking thing, like board with the spaces. And to progress through the world, you have to keep playing mini games. And playing those mini games is how you unlock them for multiplayer. So there's four worlds to go through. There's enemies and stuff. If you happen to die, as in you lose the mini games enough time that you lose all your coins, you can then scan an amiibo to immediately come back to life 
or get more coins. So it's even like that's the whole single player. Multiplayer is just those two modes. Single player is just this quest to unlock all the multiplayer games or mini games, I should say. And if you die, instead of making you go back, you could just scan your amiibo and keep going. In other words, there's nothing in this game. This game is empty, is what I'm getting at. Like, if you don't have amiibo, obviously, I guess you'll get a little more replayability because you'll die and have to play it again. But I don't see how a preset path through minigame island equals the replayability, even just when playing by yourself, of a regular Mario Party board where there's elements of chance and dice rolling and all that. This doesn't sound like there's a reason to buy it, but then... But then bumper balls... It wasn't my favorite uh, game. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's fun, but... No, I, I have I, I went from caring about this game to literally having zero interest, which I'm sad to say, cause which, I, because bumper balls. Which sucks, because Nintendo, for all I know, could be going like, all right, this is our testing the water. Let's see how many people buy this game, and that'll show that there's more interest oh, in Mario no, Party. No, 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 You know what? This is this is them going, we need to sell something with 3DS for the holidays. Can we just take our old mini games? We're and put already them in a new working box? on these for the Switch. Let's just yeah. put them on the 3DS. Yeah, I don't think this is a. I don't think this is a a, a test of any sort. This isn't a Capcom test. No, I think this is literally <laughs> just them trying to make money. Um, and I don't know. I just think like if they just had a regular board, you know what they can even do? All they're doing is pulling from Mario Party games. Just pull, pull the top 100 and mini games and just pull like the top 10 boards. Or just take one, a one board, board from, a game. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's yeah. 10. 10 boards. Yeah. One board from each game. Excluding the Game Boy Advance and two 3DS ones. Well, obviously, just the and the DS ones. ones. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, assuming that's yeah. what they're doing. No, I think they're, they're doing the handheld ones, too. So there'll be some that support stylus, stylus input. There'll be some so that support... So it's not 10 per game, then? No. Interesting. Yeah, it's a top 100 hand-selected by Bob in IT or something. I don't know. So it's it's the top the DS 100. and the two 3DS ones? Well, it says they have ones that support touch, so... Hmm. And I guarantee they're not remapping the existing ones to, you know, to um, this sort of interface, so... But yeah, it just seems, I don't know. It seems like a real, really wasted opportunity. It seems like there's just not enough there. Like Maybe I'm being too quick to judge. But Honestly, I don't know why you can't just throw a board in there, like a normal board for the, multiplayer. The sticking point for me is that if this, like exactly as it is now, was on Switch, I feel like I would still be, I'd be completely okay with it because I could just play with four people, just give them each a controller, yeah. and that's that. But Does this have download play? It does have download play. But, but you need, need people. But you need four 3ds's, and not everyone has a 3ds. And the other thing is, like on on Switch, they could sell us for twenty bucks. I, I think mean, a lot 3- of people have a 3ds, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in our group, like more people have Switches and 3ds's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think it'd be in Nintendo's best interest um, if they don't sell us at full price. But I guarantee they still will. Because on Switch, if they sell for twenty bucks, fifteen bucks, it, you know, it's like a Jackbox party situation. It just needs making. That's literally it how I'm looking at. Yeah, it. I mean, but if once it becomes like a full retail. $40 deal and you need systems and it gets overly complicated. I don't know. There's just not enough meat on the bone here. Especially not on the single player bone. Actually, no. I take that back. I feel like single player actually has more to it than multiplayer which feels backwards. But but then single player loses steam a lot quicker because once everything's unlocked like, make okay. it online for once. Yeah. Even if it's just nice. online with friends that would be pretty cool. Just let them let your friends just join your party randomly. Uh, it really everything we're saying is basically Mario Party the Top 100 should take a cue from Kirby Battle Royale, which is the other game we we're going to talk about because that one has everything you're describing: a lot of modes, multiplayer online. Like that one, that one actually sounds interesting. That one has some density to it, so to speak. Because like Kirby games always have a lot of stuff in them; they're always stuffed with all this different stuff. And um, this one, there's ten different battle varieties you can do. I mean, all of it obviously is the arena battle thing, right? But, you know, you have, like, the 
basic core battling. Then you have one where you're like collecting gems and throwing them in a train while also battling. Then there's a co-op one where you're fighting big robot bosses. Like there's a lot of diversity inside a very simple concept. And there's also a full single player mode where I think they replaced the Kirby's with like Waddle Dees or something. So that's not too exciting. That I may game Island and Mario Party maybe better. But for multiplayer, if you don't have friends around, it's fine because Kirby Battle Royale works online. Mario Party, if you don't have friends around, you can do a decathlon by yourself and get a high score, I guess. Or you can do the championship battle against no one and win against no one. <laughs> but I don't know. It just seems like a miss. It seems like Mario Party's a missed opportunity that Kirby, it can learn a lot from Kirby. So yeah. Kirby actually, I didn't realize this. Kirby comes out in Europe. Battle Royale comes out in Europe when Mario Party comes out here in America in November. And then Mario Party comes out in Europe when Kirby comes out here in America in January. So that we're e- that each region's getting only one of the two, which is kind of weird. And I think I think Europe might have won this one. I think I think I like the sound of Kirby better. It does sound a lot better. Yeah, and it's kind of it's funny though because it also just switched places. Because when Kirby was first announced, I did not care. I was like, ah, whatever. It looks like kind of like Kirby Power Stones. Looks like a main game. And Mario Party I was all about because bumper balls and ninety nine other main games. And then now I'm whatever about Mario Party, and I'm actually super into the idea of Battle Royale. So. Yeah, it's... We'll, we'll see. You know when I would get Mario Party if they price drop it? No. Yeah. You know what they'll never do because no, they're Nintendo? Because it's on 3DS. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'd even be okay with just single player against the computer for like 10 bucks, 15 the bucks. The system is dead to me. Unless um, they say it's Eternity or Rhythm Heaven. It's dead to you until it isn't, basically. It's dead to you outside of those games. Games that I... Except the games I already own. Right, right. But yeah, I... am not I, uh, buying any new games for 3DS. I... I bought new games for 3DS. Metroid. I didn't even buy Metroid. And the collector's edition still keeps popping up. And well, that's because it's just tem- a CD. It's like they could... No, I know, yeah. yeah. And I'm still kind of tempted, but... I just... I don't want to go back. I don't know. I don't, I don't blame you. But the, the funny thing is, like... They're not going to... Even if you were like, okay, maybe if it's $10... Maybe I'll go back for whatever reason. Oh, I mean... That's not even an option, because Nintendo never drops their prices. Yeah. So <laughs> I have thirty dollars in Best Buy reward points. I guess the game can now cost ten. Or you can make um, some other Doom cost thirty. I know exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. But the well, that's which why we only for... could only a price drop would really do it. It's like ten dollars. Like yeah, I don't have to eat Jersey Mike one day. I can go buy Mario Party or something. Like well, it's you that's know what Christmas and birthday there for I guess exactly. But yeah, the reason these price drops never happen for the record is that the games just keep selling, which brings us to yes. Jason Sales Corner. Do you like how I kept trying to bring it back to the price drop con? It's like a smoothly segue into Jason Sales Corner and then undermine the entire segue by telling you about the segue. I'm pretty good at that. But anyway, it's Jason Sales Corner time. And the reason I'm specifically mentioning 3DS is because if you look at the new MPD numbers for September, it's kind of interesting to see how much of the 3DS's top 10 sellers are dominated by those evergreen titles. That just simply won't drop in price because clearly they don't need to. Like... Obviously new, release, obviously, new releases are at the top. So Metroid Sandwich Returns, number one 3DS seller in September here in the States. Overall, it was the number 12 seller on the top chart of all platforms, which is... It would have been cool if it was higher, but all right. Uh, maybe more people are of the mindset of you than I'm sure a I think. I'm sure a lot of people do. I, a lot of people do. I mean, it's the it's the chicken wiggle thing with the two all over again. Yeah. But And then Monster Hunter, uh, Monster Hunter Stories was number two on the 3DS chart, which is also a September release. So those still top the chart. But then the rest of the list is dominated pretty much by old standbys. 
you have Pokemon Sun at number three, and then Moon somehow way down at number eight. Mario Kart Seven's at number five. Smash Bros is at number seven. New Super Mario Brothers Two somehow is number ten on the top ten. I it don't never gets old. I don't even like. I I don't get it. They keep packaging it with two DSs. Yeah, but those don't count towards this because those are digital downloads, and digital downloads don't count in um, MPD. That game is or let me rephrase, Nintendo. Well, digital they did discount that game, didn't they? I think they did, and they keep promoting it with the bundle, yeah. so kids are like, "Hey, I have a system. I don't have that game." Anytime they advertise a new 3DS, even the 2DS or whatever, they always advertise mm-hmm. Super Mario Bros. Two. They advertise a lot of the same games. It's actually really interesting because Mario Kart Seven. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't see them necessarily even needing new games because they just keep promoting the old ones, and I think. Some of that can be attributed to the fact that Nintendo is now targeting the system not at us and not at gamers, but at, like, the newbies, so to speak. Like, Reggie was speaking with Time Magazine, and he said that the difference between 3DS and Switch is that 3DS is for, this is his wording, new consumers in the Nintendo family, 5, 6, 7, or 10-year-olds who want their own dedicated system. Or at least it is now. It is now, yeah. That's what they're aiming at now. So all the advertising they do, like, I don't know if you saw those ads for, like, Mario & Luigi, Superstar Saga plus Bowser's Minions, where um, it's like two brothers. Right? Yeah, doesn't even reference the fact that it's a remake. For all yeah. we know, it could be a brand new game. Exactly. Yeah. And not, not not just that, but it's very like kid-oriented, the commercial. It's like this yeah. cool older brother and this cool younger brother that has attitude towards the older brother. You're that younger brother if you buy this game. Or you're the sister that comes in and smacks him down both times. But yeah, it uh, that's who they're targeting. And of course, that ties in with my favorite talking point of all time. 3DS is the budget system, right? So not just for those who buy it, but for Nintendo, because the new games will come and they'll sell, but they can keep that at a minimum by just pumping up the evergreen tiles year after year after year. So, so that's where we're at. So that's why 3DS, I think, um, A, we're not going to see price drops or anything, and B, we're getting Mario Party the top 100 with no boards. They really don't need them. The thing's going to sell to the kids. It's fine. Then, of course, for the rest of us, you have the rest of the Nintendo lineup, and it's doing gangbusters to use colloquial industry speak uh no like uh first up we've got this the snes classic and by the time most people are listening to this episode nintendo's financial report will be out for the first half of the fiscal year it'll probably include worldwide totals of the classic but as of this recording all we have is an appetizer so to speak of how it's doing here in the states and here in the states it's doing extremely well it is the top selling system for the month of September. I mean, didn't they sell all of them? They did. So it should be a surprise, but it's the top selling system. It's like we for... sold every single one that we made. We must have done well. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, that's in two days, though, that became the top selling system. But what's more impressive than two days of becoming the top selling system is consumers have already spent more money on the SNES Classic in those two days of tracking in the September MPD in America than the entirety of the NES Classics run a year ago. Now, I'm not sure if that speaks more to the so supply they, issues or to the like a, hype. Well, it sounds like a combination of supply and price. Well, no, I, yes. And um, I guess some of the hype. But there you, it's to sell multiple months worth of any, to exceed multiple months of AS Classic in two days. Yeah, but for, I mean, for every two SNESs, that's like three that, NESs. No, no, it's only $20. Um, dip, it's only $20. Is it $20 difference? difference? Oh, yeah. I thought it was a lot more. No, no, no. It's It's 70 versus, wait, no. It's 60 versus 80. There we go. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you it's significant. I mean, yes, you're right, but it's not like it's like... But they've also had double. way less SNESs. It, I mean, NES. NES exactly. NES. Yeah, so it, it's hard to say if this speaks more to last year's supply issues or this year's hype. I think it's probably a mix of both, but nonetheless, it's impressive that they just bested the entirety of the run of the NES Classic in America in two days, and now it's just 
continuing to become the best-selling classic system they've done out of two. But yeah, so there's there's that. And then if you combine the the SNES Classic performance with Switch and 3DS sales, Nintendo as a whole accounted for two thirds of all hardware sold in September. It's been a long time since you've been able to say something like that. And and it and don't write off the Switch sales just like oh they're part of the equation because it was the top selling current gen system of the month. Technically, PS4 brought in the most money, but also PS4 is expensive. Although the Switch isn't cheap either, but yeah. So it was it sold the most units of current gen systems. And this is the fifth time in the seven months that the Switch has been on the U.S. charts that has made the claim of being the number one system of the month. So it's doing quite well for Nintendo. And the games are doing well, too. Breath of the Wild, number nine on the overall top ten this month. And if you look, if you expand that out to the top 20, there's Switch games aplenty. you got, like, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at number 11. Pokémon Tournament debuted at number 13, which isn't amazing, but it's based on one week of sales. So I wouldn't say it's necessarily bad, either. Uh, Splatoon came in at number 18, but perhaps most significant of all, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, number 5 on the overall chart, number 1 on the Switch only top 10, and this makes the this makes it the first third party Switch game to be a top seller. Because it's practically a first party. <laughs> exactly. That's the, that's the little catch is it is also first party, sort of, but still it's technically the first time that Ubisoft can say we as a third party publisher have published the best selling switch. It would have felt more third party ish if um like sure like Mario's in your team, but I learned like, just from watching Opus play that um Mario has to be like the leader of your squad mm-hmm. like in every mm-hmm. single battle and that you can't have like a team of all Mario characters or you can't have Yeah, it's two two, no matter yeah. what. Yep. But well, two it, one. Or I mean two one, yeah. Yeah. Because there's only three. I was counting uh the the puck that you control as a character for some Why? reason. <laughs> I don't know because I picture him walking and there's four going across when you have them. Oh, right. In battle, it's only three. Yeah. Um, I mean, then you could debate. You could argue that the puck is pretty integral because I mean he picks out your routes. And that's everything. true. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Further proving my point. I think this episode. But just... then that would make it three two sometimes, or I mean three one or. Oh, that's true. Yeah. This episode is us just making each other's points for each other. I think, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So that's kind of where the switch is at in terms of sales. We'll have a full breakdown of the worldwide numbers that are already out probably by the time you listen to this next episode. But one takeaway from the MPD performance in September is we're definitely not in Wii U country anymore. Like, I don't think it's a question of will Switch have momentum this holiday season. I think it's how much momentum will Switch have over its existing momentum. Like, what is the growth of that momentum? Because it just, it's just going strong. Like, obviously you've got Super Mario Odyssey and that's going to sell like hotcakes as the kids say or the kids in the 1920s say. And I think there's every indication that's not going to stop i mean when you have the theme song of a mario video game charting at number one on japan's overall itunes chart and number 40 on the u.s chart next to quote-unquote real music like demi lovato or whatever it's kind of insane like that this game is going to sell super well all holiday and beyond that though like the switch just has like a crazy stack lineup these next couple weeks i mean granted a lot of them are either ports of older games or multi-platform games but as Still Switch welcome is, additions, though. Can't wait for yes. Doom. Yeah, as Switch as Switch has demonstrated, people will double dip for portability and double dip for having it on Switch. Like, just give. I'm super excited for Doom too. But just give you an idea, there are currently, as of now, over 200 games available for Switch in just the first seven months. 202, if you want a specific number, and that's about to grow a lot because Doom, which I honestly thought was going to come out in December at New the Colossus earliest, came out on Friday. What? what did that include? New Colossus, Wolf but that that's not on Switch yet. That's coming to Switch next year. Oh, that's year. right. Yeah, next, yeah. Year, next year, yeah. next year. I love their uh, Nazi punching ad campaign they've been doing. It's mm. great. But, uh, 
Yeah, they Doom. I honestly thought it was gonna come in December after Skyrim. Turns out it's coming out November tenth, same day as Neverclips, which is like two. It's Isn't out that before right before Skyrim, like a week before. Or it's the week before Skyrim's the seventeenth. Who would have thought the game that was announced at Switch launch would come out after the game that was just randomly announced like three weeks ago or a month ago? But yes, Doom will be out before our next episode. That's how close it is. Similarly, we're getting Telltale's Batman series, L.A. Noir, and Rhyme all on the fourteenth. Then. We have Skyrim on the 17th, as we were just discussing. Then, there's Resident Evil Re- uh, Revelations 1 and 2, which is now dated for November 28th. And they're coming, it turns out, with exclusive Switch-only uh, little 16-bit minigames. I don't really know much about them. One looks kind of like Ghosts and Goblins, except it's called something else. But they have, like, bonus content for Switch hours. Then, we get Xenoblade 2 on December 1st. And somewhere in the mix of all this is Rocket League... Ubisoft Monopoly. Apparently, they're now also bringing Uno to Switch. That was just rated by Europe's uh, Peggy rating board. Hasn't been announced yet. And that's not even counting the the you know all the indie stuff. We got Mute Mud's collection coming. We've got Pocket Rumble is actually finally happening. The developer. We don't have a date. Uh, we don't have a date, but the developer joked on Twitter that um, it's actually coming soon for real. Like you have no reason to believe him this time, but he sa- he swears it's actually coming soon for real. So. There's a lot stacking. And there's also Sonic Forces coming out on November 7th. Uh, people seem a little soured on that one, though. Really? I haven't played this demo out of Japan. You did, right? I remember you texting me that you played it. And it's yeah, like, have so a, I have an account called, what do I call it, Switch Guest or something? Oh, that's why that exists. My, my, my Tom Nook account. There's a game that we have for the Switch. I don't remember which one, but it lets you pick profiles for different players. And... We just needed a third one, so uh, we made Tom Nook. So, so Sonic Forces. When I played it at E3, it felt like uh, modern-day Sonic. Everyone seems to hate this Japanese demo. Why? Because you you played it. Is uh, it is it the there's a time a weird time limit of some sort? I like I like the demo. It was exactly what I expected, for better or worse. I mean, there was nothing new about it. Is it if the it, time limit it, that it, people it, don't it like? It felt like I was playing um, a newer Sonic Generation thing. That's like, literally, like, what like the literally game is. exactly, yeah. 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 Which is perfectly fine. I really enjoy those. Um, yeah, if anything that they could be soured on, it would probably be the time limit. It's just a hard one minute, which what? goes by really fast, like faster than Sonic's running. Like you just play the level, and then before you know it, it's <laughs> wow. like, like it, it just kicks you out. And yeah, faster than Sonic's it. running. That's my level of bad joke on the show, but I expect better from you. Anyway, uh, it, so you're, you're playing it. Just, I've been hanging out with you too long. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so you're playing it, just cuts you off. It yeah. just fades out in the middle of the demo. It just fades out to a to yeah to thanks for playing and then a cutscene. What? Which honestly, wait, why would they do that? They had <sighs> full length demos at Comic Con and E three. I played it at two different no, places yeah, yeah. for a full three four minute run. I, I mean, it's get it. It's weird, but I feel like I don't need to play more than a minute to yeah. get the gist of it. I mean, it's modern Sonic. You're just boosting your platforming every once in a while. So it's, did you see that video where someone Sonic? only pressed one button the entire time and the game basically played itself? Well, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a lot of modern stuff. Well, I mean, especially the early levels. The later levels, there's definitely a lot yeah. more, like, quick reflex platforming. Stuff if you like know what would be nice but is... someone did manage to beat the first level within that one minute. That's impressive. It's like when people were speedrunning the like, Mario Odyssey they got to the Like, they got to the exit, and then it faded to black. Like, it didn't even, like, show the level complete, right. but you could tell that was the exit. Huh. But, I, 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 mean, I, I mean, that's clearly the first level, though. I mean... Yeah, I was going to say, maybe yeah. that guy that... Uh, I mean, this is proof to Sega why you shouldn't only let you pe- let people play for a minute. Because that guy that managed to only press one button the entire time—that's because he only played the first minute of the first level. Like, 
you're not doing a service to your game if you're cutting people short like that. Like, there's no harm in letting you play the other two yeah. minutes. Unless it falls apart at the end of the third minute. But there's I know no, it doesn't because I no, played I mean, it at yeah, There's only one level where you could really just beat it with... There's three levels. You yeah. play modern, it was Green Hill Zone, I think. Yeah, you play there. Modern Sonic where you can just press one button and just boost through everything. And then there's the Classic Sonic where you fight a boss. Yeah. Which is... And that one looks pretty cool. It was different. I think I did that boss And then, um, yeah, you start as, like, Eggman swinging a chain. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, like, and like there's, a blade. like, uh, you stand on, like, wood on the left. Yeah, right, and then like you, could, and you could, like, beat him, like, in less than five seconds, and then he morphs into this giant dragon thing, and then... Yeah, like, I, I you. think I did that. And then there's another one where you play as the Avatar, and that one is probably the most complex of all of them, just because it's, like... The grapple hook. It's definitely more, way more 3D Sonic than the 3D Sonic level that you play. Because you're running like on a 2.5D space, but you still have full 360 degree motion, and you get to use the drilling and the whip for some. And there's a whip oh, of some sort. Oh, this is a different demo like, than, than what they showed. There's in like the grappling, and there's like, like a bunch of stuff going on. That's like, right. well, okay, like for that one, it's like I kind of want more than a minute to kind of mess around with the controls. But I mean, it just kind of runs out, and I mean. For a demo, if it does its job, like it makes me want to play more. But who? It's like I, I, mean, I guess it succeeds at that. But like, who thought only a minute would make? I just so. I know it is weird. It's super weird. I don't think and it soured a lot of people. But I don't think it's worse. worth getting angry about. I'm not angry. I'm confused. No, 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 no. <laughs> no I know you're. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, I'm just more perplexed. Um, I know the internet. It, gets yeah, angry it's about just, everything. It's just a really weird decision that doesn't make sense, but. I don't think it's anything to get. I, I will say I've over. succumbed to the Sonic hype cycle. Unfortunately, they have a new. Um, song in there that's playing during one of those levels i've i've sadly succumbed with to the lyrics you know with oh great uh, well you like those right um it sounded like something that would have come out in sonic adventure so it uh, fits cool. right in yeah I, I was reading some interview lately where or recently where uh the director of sonic forces or something was talking about like, like lincoln parkish i don't know huh well you, you'll you'll see i already deleted it but i guess you'll see eventually i'll find it on the youtubes but um what was i gonna say yeah i was reading some interview where the director of like sonic team was like oh yeah we're it's interesting because, like, we, we, you know, they obviously cater Sonic Forces to the Sonic Adventure crowd. So they're purposely keeping Mania and Forces kind of separate. Because it's like, oh, if you're a traditional Sonic, like, old school Sonic fan, Mania and whatever path that goes down with sequels would be for you. But we don't want to turn Sonic Forces into something like Mania because then all these kids that grew up with Sonic Adventure who are expecting that, like, Sonic life, they want to live that Sonic life. And they can't if they move away from that. So Sega's in kind of this in between, like, a rock and hard place where it's like, People don't like people like the two D ones. Don't like the three D ones. People like the three D ones. Sometimes they're okay with the two D ones, but they can't really make one like the other because then they upset even more people. So they're kind of because I I'll admit I'm sort of in the Sonic got stuck in the Sonic hype uh, loop so to speak where I was super into it at E3 and I liked everything that was just like oh it's like Sonic but it's just three D into the screen and then they kept revealing things like oh here's the story and oh here's the avatar and oh which I thought was kind of cool but. It sounds like it's more like traditional 3D Sonic, a little more to the realm of Sonic I'm like, eh, about. I might still get it. I'm not as sold on it as I was. But yeah, I, but I, they can't not do that because then everyone that likes Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2 Battle and Sonic Heroes and Generations are going to be like, where's my Sonic? Adventure, this isn't my Sonic. Specifically Adventure 1 because that one was more Super Mario 64-ish, yeah. if anything. Well, yeah, they kind of um, moved away from that a little. No, yeah, like um, Modern Sonic, I feel it's not the Sonic Adventure games. Those are... I feel way different because I mean, Modern Sonic is literally just you only play Sonics, either Modern Sonic or well, Classic yeah, yeah. Sonic, and it's just boosting. There was no boost mechanic. There were way more platform heavy or right. That's true. Just way, I guess they're part yeah. of the Sonic in 3D space. The, the type of levels are just they're just built a lot different. I mean, they're a lot slower. Yeah, I guess in that case, these are definitely built around like look how fast Sonic goes. Look yeah. at that blur effect. That always, which always gives you a cool sense of satisfaction whenever you're just going that fast because very 
few to no games really give you the ability to run super fast. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's a game mechanic that's kind of hard to pull off without, like, we can't let you control it too much because then it's kind of hard to control because it's going so fast, so... Yeah. It, it's, it's a delicate... But, it's like a semi-on-rails experience. So I'm glad they're still trying. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to be clear, like, I the, the Sonic Adventure thing, that was the dude at Sonic Team that was making the comparison yeah. between them. Not, not so much me. Yeah, like, I remember... I don't think it was the same interview, but at one point I remember reading that one of the devs said that they don't ever plan on making a Sonic 3 at least right now because... Mm-hmm. A Sonic Adventure 3. Yeah. Because that's like... This is the path they've gone down. Yeah, this basically. is what people expect. Because he basically like the people that grew up... They pretty up. much grew up with... I mean, they're pretty much going with the generations or yeah. Sonic Unleashed with... Yeah, Sonic Unleashed was the one that started this whole yeah. thing. Yeah, because they, they basically realized that people grew up seeing Sonic in a 3D world and then they stream. They basically found the right rhythm for Sonic games to go into in those 3D worlds and now they're just going down that path. Yeah. But if they then suddenly sort of swing back to real adventure or swing even further back to 2D Sonic, then all those people that are used to this sense. gameplay I mean, style... I mean, a lot yeah. of people say they love Sonic Adventure, but then when they play it, a lot of the things they keep a lot of things they keep hearing is like, "Oh, I don't really like the Sonic levels. I don't like the Tails levels or the Knuckles levels." So we just what about Big the Cat's level. I, thought, I mean, I, <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't hit any of yeah, pr- yeah. or that, but yeah. So people just want the Sonic levels. So all they got was the Sonic levels, yeah. and I feel it's almost better for that, honestly. But, yeah, yeah, I think so. But it, it, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. It, it's very similar to the. 3D. I mean, if you want Sonic Adventure three, play Sonic 06, I guess. I mean, <laughs> or do, or trust me, don't. <laughs> but yeah. it's uh, that's it, definitely it's, as closest to Sonic three as you ever. Uh, Sonic Adventure three as you ever gonna the get. The parallel between three D two D Sonic and three D two D Mario is actually weirdly similar. But for some reason, three D two D Mario gets away with it, and three D two D Sonic doesn't. Literally. Right, because like mean, Odyssey literally does. You're playing 3D Mario, then you do the 2D segments and the yeah. pipes, and that's it's that's the, the equivalent of Sonic like running towards the screen, and then the screen flips sideways, so you have to do some weird platform. Mario has a roll move like Sonic now. Like literally, the 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 parallels between yeah, the these drop two dash, franchises yeah. the drop are dash so similar, but it's just the way they were presented to people was so different. I guess I don't know, or the way they were implemented in in the actual game development. I don't know, but the, if you look at them conceptually. They're doing the exact same thing with the with the two pair with like the two tracks at the same time, so just something to chew on. Internet, Sonic and Mario not so different, but hey. So Sonic, whether or not the demo hurt or helped, that you know whether or not that means it helps its moment the sell on Switch with the momentum of Switch. I'd be shocked if the other games we rattled off don't move the needle at all. Even Sonic's probably gonna move the needle because Sonic has a pretty passionate fan base, and especially in a critical month like November where as we kind of talked about in the past Nintendo's giving these games extra attention and breathing room they're not launching a true first party Switch game in November the closest they come to like during their go to Thanksgiving weekend or any point at all they have Snipper Clips Plus they're publishing Skyrim but they're not like there's no Mario there's no Zelda there's nothing Nintendo's leave it wide open and what's interesting is on top of that Nintendo's also now promoting the third party games themselves which is something they rarely do like there's this ad running on TV right now and on the internet, uh, where they are showing a commercial with Skyrim, Fire Emblem Warriors, and Xenoblade Chronicles 2, clearly going after a very specific fan base of RPG fans, and like that sort of like Fantasy World fan. And, I mean, technically only one of those games is actually Nintendo's. They are publishing all three of them, but Skyrim's Bethesda, Fire Emblem Warriors, or Nintendo's not publishing Fire Emblem Warriors, they just loan their characters, but that's Ko- uh, Koei Tecmo, or Tecmo Koei. Uh, Xenoblade's the only one that's Nintendo through and through, so like they're doing that. And then if you look at like NBA 2K18, its commercials all feature the Switch, and they're airing them during NBA games. And it's like 
get on Switch and these other systems instead of, you know, get on PS4 and having the little tiny Nintendo box up in the corner that you never really see. That, I'm sure, is a co-part- like co-marketing partnership. And then in some places, I think this was by in Costa Rica initially, Nintendo's running ads to show that Switch is the sports machine. They have NBA 2K, WWE 18, and FIFA all on the same ad side by side. Mm-hmm. Little so, asterisk under FIFA and bite your own risk. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's supposedly still decent. It's just yeah, there's trade-offs. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the point is, like, Nintendo's making all the right moves here to keep Switch not just, like, as a, this Nintendo machine that keeps selling, but to keep third parties happy and keep third parties making games for it. And as a result, we're starting to see more game announcements, which is kind of nice. Uh, mainly out of Japanese developers lately, actually. Uh, they seem to be getting behind the Switch pretty heavily. The Wall Street Journal originally had an article up a few weeks ago about how Nintendo... They seem to be pushing more into like risque and violent content on Switch. Not so much like they opposed it in the past. They always allowed it, but now they're like actively encouraging it and working with developers to get their stuff to it. And sure enough, shortly thereafter, Atlas out of the blue is like, Oh, hey, remember that Switch Shin Megami Tensei game we were going to make? Yeah, so uh, it's the fifth entry in the series. It's not a spinoff like it would be on 3DS. This is Shimigami Tensei Five, the actual real next <laughs> the entry. The real deal. The real deal. Beyond that, they said absolutely nothing. The trailer shows basically nothing. But it's nice to get a follow-up on that announcement and be like, oh yeah, hey, here it is. Shimigami Tensei Five on Switch as an exclusive. And then coincidentally, Arc System Works did the same thing with their own promise. They, back in the January Switch presentation, at the same time that Shimigami Tensei was confirmed... Uh, Arc System Works confirmed that they're bringing the Blaze Blue Fighting Series to Switch in some form. And this new one they've now announced is called Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle. It was actually announced months ago with no platform mention. Now we know it's Switch bound as well as PS4 and PC. And I don't know much about Blaze Blue, to be honest. <laughs> uh, this one's kind of interesting that it's they're doing a crossover game. So it's like a whole bunch of different like Arc System Works world characters plus yeah, others. Yeah, this one has um, it has Persona in it. Yeah, it has Persona, Persona 4. And it also has, for some reason, Rooster Teeth Ruby in it. Yeah, there's a lot of weird random is stuff. Which just like an anime produced by Rooster Teeth. Or I don't know if it was made in America or what the deal is with it. But And then they also have like other Blaze Blue characters from other spin-offs and other yeah, games. Yeah, I want to say it's also Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear? Or is it some, oh no, it's some other thing that I don't even know. But yeah, it's like a weird mashup it's like anime smash like anime styled game and show smash bros oh yeah that, that is a a proper thing to call it they're just called anime fighters oh is that what they're called yeah like your dragon ball z your blade right, blue your right. guilty gears actually you know personas. in the case of this i take back the smash bros analogy it's 2v2 what i've seen of it it looks more like marvel versus capcom than it does smash it's bros. definitely more a lot of the games are going the marvel vs. capcom route lately sadly marvel vs. capcom itself is not selling very well yeah. It got outsold by Mario and Rabbids. The funny thing is that it's getting reviewed well-wise as far as the gameplay goes, but the, yeah, the aesthetics just really hurt it so hard. Yeah, those graphics. Like, come on, Capcom. Don't be so And cheap. just the character selection. Not having X-Men hurt it. Losing a lot of core yeah. Capcom characters hurt it. I mean, you lost Phoenix Wright. So, so how's Blaze Blue as a fighting game? Because I, to be honest, it's been on Nintendo before. I've never seen it played. I mean, I've seen it, but I've never like, watched it or played it. I had, I don't know, I've played it a handful of times. The game I actually played more was Guilty Gear on PSP, and I played that one a lot just because I, I needed games on my PSP. Right, and I, that's our, our system. Yeah, it's, it's, too, the same, right? it's the same company. Yeah, the games yeah. are practically the same. I mean, I'm sure someone that plays both will tell me they're completely different, but the times I've played both... Someone's right now listening to the podcast just furiously like... 
typing away. <laughs> I mean, it felt like you're comparing. Um, what would be a good game to compare? Um, it was like comparing Street Fighter and hmm. no, it, it, no, because they're way different. The ones with the 3D space. Is it comparing Injustice 2 and Mortal Kombat X? Ah, same developer. Slightly different implementation. Yeah, because they, have, I get it. they have the same controls. There's yeah. completely different cast of characters, but if you know how to play one, you kind of know how to play the other. Right, right. Sort of. They just have slightly different mechanics. And honestly, like, they're, if you're into fighting games, then I'm definitely going to keep my eye on it just because games like these have mechanics that are way different from just traditional fighting games that we've come to know, like Street Fighter or mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat or whatever. They're just, they're a lot more complicated. They have a way higher learning curve than... Aren't their combos, like, nuts? Yeah. That's the one thing I know about Blaze Blue, yeah, and his combos are, like, Yeah, the thing about Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear in general, their, their combo game and their... The way you execute combos is just very different. It's mm-hmm. one of those games that you can't really button mash and do well. Which is probably why I've never played it. Actually, <laughs> I guess... I mean, I guess you could do well now. if you're playing against someone else that doesn't know how to play the game at all either. But the moment someone kind of knows how to do some of the moves... You're screwed. Yeah, you're pretty much screwed. Huh. I don't know, it, it's just a, I would say it's one of those high ceiling, high, right, yeah, right. Hard, hard learning curves, but then again, this is also more of a crossover game, like, same thing with Persona, it's kind of the same deal, it's also kind of complex, right? and it also has some characters that have their own mechanics built into them, kind of like how in Marvel's Capcom 3, you had Phoenix Wright that had his all, he could go into investigation mode, find evidence, go into his courtroom mode, and like present the evidence, and blah, mm-hmm, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a character, I think, in Persona Arena Ultimax that may be in this game. There who... are some Persona Arena characters that cross oh, yeah, in, yeah. yeah. And he's, like, a baseball player, and he actually has a whole, like, base system where he could get, what? he could get like, home runs and, like, three that's bases. That's so anime. And <laughs> that's, that's, so... What I, that's what I love about these games, that they, they're just so creative with how yeah. they implement. That's why I'm keeping my eye on it, just because they just have some really wacky or fun characters, and I know... If you get like a grand slam, it's almost like it makes him like hard to be. Kind of how Phoenix Wright, when he never fights by punching, when he gets his turnabout mode without that right evidence, he becomes like a god basically. Right. But it's a good idea to keep. It's a good game to keep your eye on. Yeah. The, if the, you're into fighting games, especially with between this and Pocket Fighter and Pokémon, I feel like we still need more fighting games. Smash Bros. Especially with how varied these Smash are. Smash Bros. And this isn't even um. Like step on the toes of Smash Brothers, they're completely yeah, different, they're so which different. is nice. These dickers so in harmony. Yeah, you know, you know, what's funny about Smash Brothers actually, because I kept saying Smash Brothers. Uh, you know that like NBA and NFL players are now like on social media, like petitioning Nintendo to make Smash on Switch. Yeah. Yeah. There's an NBA player and like a whole NFL team that are like, guys, can we get, can we get uh, Smash? But yeah, the, the the thing about Blaze Blue that caught my eye is it just it's such a perfect fit for like everything the Switch is about. I mean, you got the local competitive play angle. Which is something Nintendo's been pushing on Switch really hard this year. You've got uh, the added perk that it is catering to a fan base whose interests already kind of align with what the Switch offers because yeah. there's so many JRPGs and things like I mean, Tsuna and Sega Five that have the look of this game. Obviously, they're very different genres, but they all share an aesthetic and a. You know, yeah. if you like one, you probably like the other. There's definitely like something you'll, you'll probably find something to like, even if I'm you sure. didn't play Persona. I mean, if you played one of those other games, you have more something to get it because then you could cling on to that character you like. Yeah. But the nice thing about Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear, for that matter, is that they don't have any pre-existing. Like they didn't come from a TV show or anime or anything. They're their own. Yeah, so they're their own characters. So you could just like the designer not feel like, oh, I don't want to get into the Ruby characters because I haven't right, watched Ruby. Right. Blah blah blah. But yeah. But yeah, it's coming that to is Switch. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it's kind of, it's fine because, like, the fact that these two were both announced, this and Shimigami Tensei were both announced basically, like, a couple days apart, and they both were in a January presentation under mysterious terms, and they both are, like, these super, like, very Japanese games from Japan. Like, it, it, it's kind of total coincidence, so it's kind of funny how they paired so nicely. Uh, speaking of funny things, there's one other Japanese publisher who's bringing something to Switch, and it's a name you probably know. Sony. Sony. As in makers of PlayStation, sort of. Yes, Sony. Uh, you may recall there's an Advance Wars looking game coming to Switch that is not Wargroove, War not Wargroove, called Tiny Metal. Wargroove. At the time it was announced, Tiny Metal, I didn't pay a lot of attention to it because of Wargroove, which is also an Advance Wars style game of sorts. Uh, but now it turns out Tiny Metal is coming out first before Wargroove on November 21st and it's being published by a company called Unties. And Unties, it turns out, is a subsidiary of Sony. Well, specifically Sony Music Entertainment. But it mm. doesn't make it any less weird to get Sony released on a Nintendo platform, even if it's a different division of the same company. So it's not Sony Computer Entertainment. It's not PlayStation Sony. It's Music and Media Sony under Sony Music Entertainment. Still weird. Still very weird. That means Nintendo now has every platform maker on their yeah. system. Because they got, obviously, Minecraft, Microsoft. But regardless of, like, it coming from Sony or not, I kind of went down a rabbit hole of looking into Tiny Mel and learning about Tiny Mel, and I'm kind of glad I did because it looks really fun. Like, I mean, I mentioned I was previously counting on getting Wargroove for my Advance Wars fix since it, Nintendo seems to have abandoned the franchise. And while Wargroove visually looks very Advance Wars-y with its art style, it's very similar like, pixel art, uh, the thing that always sort of... I was a little hesitant, but I was fine with, was the fantasy elements. It's almost like Fire Emblem, but Advance Wars gameplay and Advance Wars art style, but with kind of like the characters and world of Fire Emblem, if that makes sense. Like there's dragons and castles and things. And, I don't know, Time Mail, on the other hand, it does look different. It's a 3D look, like a chibi 3D look. But thematically and gameplay-wise, it seems much more like what Advance Wars was. So I'm not saying... Wargroove is bad. I'm not saying Time Mel is good. I'm just saying now there are two options instead of one. And one of the two options is down in two weeks. Three, sorry, mm. three weeks. So I have a feeling I'm going to end up getting Tiny Metal if it reviews well. And then Wargroove is probably not coming out until next year at this point. So I can reassess it then. One Buying one doesn't mean not buying the other. But it is kind of funny that like Sony, out of nowhere, picks up the rights to this game and kind of sneaks out the Switch. That's basically what I want Wargroove to be from the start. But Wargroove is taking its time getting made so i might get this as a stopgap or something i don't know it's just crazy that sony yeah i mean if yeah. uh, did, you did you like advance wars i don't remember i feel like we've talked about this before um it's all right I, hmm. the i don't know i like the gameplay but i just didn't really care for the the, the theme war, the theme the uh cartoon wartime yeah you didn't like cartoons making light of war that's very noble of you kind of the same deal with <laughs> fire emblem i like the gameplay yeah but... well it's the same as Avengers. yeah exactly yeah. yeah like i don't really care for knights and swords and right that kind yeah. of setting i don't know so you don't like war sayings and you don't like sword and you don't like medieval war sayings do you like future war you don't like contemporary or medieval do you yes. like oh very much so I love Starcraft. Starcraft. <laughs> yeah, I, I teed you up for that. <laughs> they literally, they literally have Marines and yeah, space whatever. Marines. In fact, gaming's favorite. It's also in real time, which is which um, makes a totally different gameplay than Advanced yeah. Wars. Yeah, which is funny because um, when I did play Advanced Wars a lot, it wasn't regular mode. It was multiplayer with the real time mode where you have to like oh, drive your little tank around. So, that's almost how I played Advanced Wars exclusively. I just see. I love the turn based stuff. I like the whole like 
taking control of another person's base and then shooting them with other tanks, sending other tanks, blah, blah, blah. In other words, you were trying to turn Advanced Wars into StarCraft before you knew StarCraft was StarCraft. Basically, yeah. Interesting. So now you've just fulfilled your destiny with StarCraft. I see. I see. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, a Tiny Metal, the Japanese games, all the games we rattled off, just to kind of put an end cap on the MPD and all that. Seems like Nintendo's doing everything right with Switch and with third parties, and that's awesome. And I suspect it will the momentum will continue, and we will learn a lot more about where the momentum, momentum is at with those uh, stats that Nintendo's putting out with their financials. So next episode, we'll dive into that. But for everything Nintendo's doing right with Switch and third party, um, there's one area they're kind of dropping the ball, at least in my opinion. And oh. that's with enthusiast websites. Oh. Now, no, not, yeah, in terms of how they're spreading the word about games for the system to some extent obviously we fall under the the category of being an enthusiast site so we have a slight bias but to be clear before we dive into this we don't receive games from nintendo or anything like that so i feel like we could still be rather impartial to what's going on and not really show too much of bias it's not like this is hurting us in a direct way but what's going on is that after a rom of mario luigi superstar saga plus bowser's minions was leaked uh for 3ds before the game was released, Nintendo of America specifically decided to clamp down on giving out early, or any in some cases, review copies to smaller enthusiast sites, and even in some instances to big ones. IGN did not get Fire Emblem Warriors until the day it was released. Well, yeah. But uh, yeah, the concern from Nintendo is that these small sites without some sort of corporate backing or a sort of, you know, like accountability really, besides their word, uh, they'll get these games in advance. And then, in theory, one of them could decide to leak it, like Mario and Luigi was leaked. They could put the ROM online, and then, oh no, you gave your copy of Snipperclips Plus to BobLovesGames.net, and then BobLovesGames.net was like, Bob also loves piracy, and then pirated it. Like, it's, it's possible. <laughs> in theory, it is possible. But the thing is, Nintendo's been giving out review copies for years to various sites. I used to receive some back in the early RAM Nintendo days, and we were a daily news site when I was in high school. And that was in the early DS game uh, days. And then, of course, you got sites... And, you know, I haven't done that in forever, and I, we don't have the contact anymore, whatever. But then you've got sites like Go Nintendo and Nintendo World Report, who have been covering Nintendo for so long, and has such established reputations in, like, the Nintendo circles, that there's no real concern that they're going to start pirating your games. And yet, they got cut off. I mean, if I, I've been following Nintendo World Report, specifically, since it was Plant GameCube in, like, 2002. There is no way. The founder of Planet GameCube, which then turned into Nintendo World Report, now works in the treehouse at Nintendo. They quote Nintendo World Report in like almost every accolade trailer they do for every game. Like, you know, after the game comes out, like three days later, they do those review uh, yeah. poll quote trailers. They're in like all of them. And yet they can't be trusted with an early copy of Mario Odyssey. That seems weird to me. So, and then they don't get me started on like what Go Nintendo is going through because they're like kind of a go-to sort of like everyone at nintendo knows about it from my understanding and yet they don't get it's run by one dude who's very trustworthy and he doesn't get them either it just strikes me as, it's really weird like why would they now suddenly become pirates they practically feel just as official as ign yeah basically and and worst of all like so us gamer who reported this story they're saying that nintendo already knows exactly who leaked the rom it was a press copy and they know who leaked it because there's a serial number attached so why is everyone being punished instead of just the one dude who leaked it? It just doesn't make sense. And it gets stranger when you take into consideration that Nintendo of Europe is still giving out review copies as normal to the same group of people they always do. So like Nintendo World Report, they do have a Mario Odyssey re uh, review up on launch day, or they did. 
because they had their European guy, that guy on Twitter, Nintendan, he had it. So he wrote the review, but then the American guys couldn't get it because apparently they're not trustworthy or whatever. Nintendo hasn't really gone on record about this. This is just like secondhand what people are hearing from people. So I don't know. I think the strangest part of all this, though, is that it seems the brand ambassadors for Nintendo, those YouTubers and the like who do the videos where they're not really reviewing the games, they're just talking about the games, they're still getting their copies. So you can't trust Nintendo World Report, and you can't trust Go Nintendo, but you can totally trust whoever on YouTube who just does it out of their house. And that's by, I mean, granted, those sites also work out of their house, but you know what I mean. And that, that's not to diss brand ambassadors. Actually, really, like, I think what's really cool about the whole brand ambassador program is it lets you see this other side of the games. Like, Game Explain has all the little, like, secret things they find. Or, like, it's not just, or, like, if you're really into Let's Plays, a lot of them do Let's Plays. It's not so much about, like, is this game bad here's why the brand ambassadors are all about like look at this cool thing about the game look at this cool aspect of the game here's the thing you may not know so that's really cool and it makes sense that they get copies but it doesn't make sense to me that nintendo would if they're this worried about piracy cut off the reliable guys who've been doing it for 15 years yet keep these brand ambassadors to keep doing it unless you think of it as a marketing move or an excuse to implement a sign of the changing landscape which is that maybe you don't need the independent critics like if I mean, think about it. Moving away from independent critics and towards videos where they control the message a bit through brand ambassadors is very similar to Nintendo shifting away from trade shows and doing Nintendo Direct where they also control the message more. So from Nintendo's perspective, why would you give legit reviewers a copy of your game if there's a chance they could tear it down versus just handing it out to people who essentially will build it up? It I, I don't necessarily i'm not saying there's a big conspiracy here i'm just saying if the if the leak was the straw that broke the camel's back perhaps this was the thinking they had before that point and obviously for review sites in some ways you still want to give them a copy but there's nothing stopping you from giving them a copy at launch day so maybe that's intensity it's what movie studios are starting to do more and more they'll do press screenings like the night before the movie comes out or they'll be embargoed till the day of the movie's release and it's like well all right because people start relying more and more and more on Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes and OpenCritic and all those sites to kind of get a sense of should I buy this, should I not. And while studies have found that, at least in the case of Rotten Tomatoes, people have not – movies haven't gotten more or less people based on their review score on Rotten Tomatoes. They're still kind of feeling that these things are influencing people more. So maybe Nintendo's taking that to heart and using the ROM as an excuse. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I mean, to Nintendo's defense – Someone that had Mario Odyssey early, probably press, uh, started leaking spoilers on 4chan like last week before it came out. So they're not exactly wrong that people are doing wrong things with these games, but I don't know if cutting off your reliable journalist is doing yeah, something right. Especially if you know who it is. just Yeah, if you know who it is, just punch the one dude. Yeah, That's why I think it might be a bigger shift in general. And Nintendo, of course, hasn't commented on this to anyone directly, but people are telling you as gamer, they've heard one thing or another, you know, like Rami Cowboy Go Nintendo's made a reference to it on the site a couple times. The guy that runs Nintendo World Report has made a couple tweets about it. So it's kind of out there. It just strikes me, I don't know, it strikes me as weird. Like, don't hurt the traffic to a bunch of sites that are dedicated to covering you just because one dude did something shady. And if you are hurting the traffic, it's probably because you have a plan to shift away from getting review copies early, in which case, just say that's what you're doing. I don't know, it just seems a little weird. Maybe it's a short-term band-aid for the issue, maybe it's a long-term change. Who knows? Hopefully Nintendo sorts it out soon because I, I just don't get, like, these guys want to cover you. Why would you 
deny it. And in the case of like if it's about Metacritic or Open Critic or Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, Nintendo constantly brags about how they have like the highest Metacritic score of games on the Switch compared to every other platform or this that. They use that to their advantage. So unless suddenly they're expecting a drop off in quality of their product, I don't know why that would be a concern. So that's my two cents. I just want to throw it out there because like you know I've been following these sites for so long, I feel bad for them to get stuck in this situation. So. But yeah, we uh, with that. Unless you have any thoughts, I don't know. Um, I don't think you're really deep in the drama of review copies on the internet. Not so much. I mean, I don't really have much to add except yeah, I disagree with you. Just punish the one person. Yeah. Everyone else is doing a good job. I mean, you know who is like not. I mean, you know who if you know who's breaking it. Just slowly cut your ties with them, and you don't even need to be slowly. Just send them an email. Like we know it's you. You we, oh, no, we oh, could I... charge you legally, but instead we'll just cut you off. Yeah. No, I mean that looks like you're the good guy by not taking further action, or take the further action because you're totally in your rights to do it. Nintendo, like I, I don't know, but anyway, that pretty much does it for news. We're now at the part of the show where normally we say what we're playing. Um, and let's be honest, we already sort of talked about it. it's Mario Odyssey, and the problem is, as we discussed, uh, Angel still has only played six hours, and even though he's at the credits, there's so much more. And me, I still need to pick up the game. It's sitting at Best Buy, so. Yeah, since we're not brand ambassadors and didn't get the game early, I guess we're going to have to wait till next episode to talk about it. But in its place, we thought for Halloween, we should talk about things that relate to Halloween. Like, you know, games, scary games. I don't know what's better to call them, scary games. So, I guess to start it off, I have a question for you. Have you ever actually had a jump, like, actually jumped when a video game scared you? Like, are you, do you get, because the thing about video, the thing about scary games in concept Scary games sound so dumb. Is there a better term for that? Horror games? Horror games. The thing about horror games in concept, at least to me, is it's more about atmosphere than jump scare. Like, you can't have a jump scare if you're not in totally in the atmosphere of the game. Because if you look at something like the Skunk Bundle on Wii U, right? Yeah. Uh, they had the atmosphere, sort of. But there was... It just... They didn't nail the atmosphere, so they had a couple of attempts at jump scare. scare yeah, but they just didn't the work. scariest thing about the skunk bundle was the legal repercussions of them using Hotel California without the rights to Hotel California. That is the scariest thing. But uh, yeah, so that didn't work. But they something like Resident Evil, where obviously there's a jump scare. Oh so, yeah, I've, I've had plenty of experiences like that. It's more mainly with Resident Evil, especially back in my younger days. Was it the dog through the window in Resident Evil One? That was definitely one of them. So. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, any, I'm sorry about I mean, that when you're done. Any, anytime Nemesis that. came out, anytime um, the guy in the back coat came out, even um, like playing through um, what's that game, Eternal Darkness, sometimes early on. I've even had that with Metroid Prime One. Like there wasn't really like a lot of jump scares, jump scares per se, but the other kind of thing that I love about horror games is like when you're being pursued and you're not really ready to fight someone, oh, and you yeah. kind of want to avoid things. So yeah. There were definitely lots of times in Metroid Prime where I need to get to a safe station, and I'm like, damn, there's no place to really heal myself, and I have to go through this area that I know has a lot of space pirates or a lot of, like, these monsters that will chase me. Right. So I just run through, I hear the music come on, I'm like, oh my god, open the door, open the door, because See, so the that- door, cause it's, like, loading. So it just has, like, a lot of tension, and you're like, and then the door finally opens, and you get through, and you're like... Oh, like you just take a nice deep breath. Yeah, I, I, I personally like. I love like I don't, know, I don't know why I just love those moments. I, yeah, I'm not big on jump scares themselves. Like I don't really watch horror movies either, but I do love the 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 fact that a video game can make you actually feel anxious and tense. And like like the Metroid Metroid Prime is a great example. But yeah, it's just like I don't know. It's just something about like the the fact that even on a handheld. 
sometimes. Like Resident Evil Revelations, I got there's some tense moments in that. Yeah. That's like you know, it's a, the screen's the size of a postcard, feel, and somehow you're still like totally in it. It's it's. I mean, I like when the tense moments. I mean, I, I mean, don't you know, I like jump scares. Some jump scares are, I mean, they're just false. They're false alarms. Like oh yeah, like a uh, dead body pops up. It's them, but it's not. Yeah. yeah, but I love it even more when the jump scare leads to those tense moments when, like, like in Resident Evil. Revelations mm. specifically, there's a there's an enemy like she's someone that like dies and then she gets like um, she gets infected with a parasite and she becomes like the nemesis of this game like pretty much that enemy that pops up in random places and chases you down and you just can't kill them right like you have really no choice but to run away and like every time that person like came out and they have their like creepy voice and it was just really cool just like running away like you're not just trying to find the nearest door. And or just when you have no choice but to like pretty much run past them, but you have to do a dodging maneuver. Yeah, like those are all great. And I just I don't know. I love that feeling. That's why I still have to play through Alien Isolation. Hmm. Like that game, I know it's just full of that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, in terms of jump scares, I can only think of two times I actually like jumped the piano. Well, in one, one, what the piano in Mars sixty four when you were a little kid? No, 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 no. Well, one. So one was the dog in Resident Evil one the window and that alone wouldn't have done it i was at a friend's house playing his ps1 and he had like a gaming chair like a rocker so what he did as i was playing like he told me hey be careful like he kind of like not hyped me up but you know got me into the mindset that something's gonna happen so i was being really like kind of tense yeah and then he knew where it was of course because he owns the game and he shook the rocker chair right at the moment the dog burst through and i was like what the hell like it really is like that you know that that uh, rumble pack, <laughs> but it was yeah, it's still like visceral. That's just like oh my god. So that that's probably the only time I really like jumped at a game. I come close. I came close with Zombie U when I finally started playing that. Yeah, that game has some tense moments it, too. It does. And the only time I ever like came close to a jump scare to just the game directly because I don't usually jump when I'm scared. Yeah. Through, but you know, or I know it's a figure of speech. But yeah, uh, the only time I came like close to that was I was playing one night and everyone else in the house was asleep, so I had the volume really low. But when you're in your backpack on the touchscreen on the gamepad, you kind of need the volume up to hear where the zombies are walking towards you, right? Like, that's kind of the whole design yeah. of the game. So I didn't have the volume up. It was up enough that I could hear, like, pew, pew, of a gun, but I didn't hear enough to hear, like, the weird zombie noises. So I'm looking through the backpack, and then I look up, and literally <laughs> all I see on my screen is just, like, two-thirds of a face of a zombie taking up the whole screen. And I'm just like, what the... So, yeah, those are the only two times I've actually been, like, scared. But to your point about Metroid and... Resident Evil, as I was saying before, like, yeah, for me, it's all about the tension that can come out of it. And the tension is only really possible if you have the right atmosphere to kind of bring it full circle. Like, Resident Evil 7 does a good oh, job in yeah. VR. Because you're in VR. See, that's the thing. It's like, you can have scares on every style of platform. Like, you can have it on your big TV. You can have it on your little handheld. You can, but VR, obviously, you're, you have that much more atmosphere because it's all you see. And when you have that extra atmosphere, it makes the tension just that much more because you don't have an escape. I feel like in yeah, general, in nobody... general, I can't get as scared or as startled by a 3DS as I can by a TV, as I can by VR. Like each of them in their own, on their own accord can certainly do it. But it's very easy if you're like, oh God, just look over the screen of your 3DS and be like, okay, never mind. Or if you're on a TV, just glance to the side or look at your phone. But when you're in VR... Yeah, that that's the ultimate right there for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's definitely something to definitely mention about Resident Evil Seven. Like when we were showing it to my sister, 
I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean an, an initial reaction is that you just want to kind of, if you don't close your eyes, you just want to look away, but you can't look. to look. Yeah, but you can't look away because, yeah, exactly. Like, she was fighting a boss, and they were, like, like hacking her with a chainsaw, but she kept wanting to look away, but you can't look away because everywhere is the game world, which was amazing. Which and in great. theory, if you're super into a game on your TV or even on your 3DS, you can get that, too. The thing is, there just is the exit button if you need it. The, you know, it's just looking up versus Resident Evil 7, where it's it's very hard to get out of that helmet. So, But, yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those things that I think it's probably the only genre that really benefits from the medium to that like oh to yeah that extent like every other Capcom game you can play every other blew way. it out of the war they really showed you that like vr that horror games are definitely at their best in vr i yeah. don't i don't think i, I could have i would not want to play that game in 2d or similar games that, yeah i mean but 2D. it's funny because <laughs> in um not vr yeah well it is 2d in a way no i know yeah it, it's funny that uh that's the case though because if you think about it like if we're okay with playing resident evil one through six on a console we should be okay with playing seven on console, but once you get that more immersive thing, there's no coming I back. Mean, there's no coming back. Well, yeah, but I only mean, only games like that, I feel like. No, yeah. I mean, it works better for some than others. I mean, yeah. first person driving games, uh, maybe a a Rita's a car simulator, but I mean, I we played one at Comic Con last. Oh year. yeah, we played Project Cars too, and it was fun. But I, I was also content playing Need for Speed on my Wii U. Like it wasn't like I was like I can't do Need for Speed. Anymore. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. This but one definitely felt like horror. a like you definitely can't. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I think because it's, it's the one, it's the one type of video game that really plays on your emotions. Other video games that could give you a sense of joy or sadness or whatever, but games with horror games or even to a less extent, uh, lesser extent, just games with tension like Metroid Prime, where you're constantly running away or whatever, which a lot of games have. Like that's something that somehow games can do probably because of the interactive nature that no other type of entertainment can do and in most cases the way that games leverage that is through what's happening through how you're interacting with the game directly so it's you know it doesn't matter the input but with horror it's how the game it pushes back at you which then requires the more immersion i guess if that makes sense yeah like i'm doing a like a doctorate right now or something like some sort of thesis <laughs> statement but I'm just like thinking this through as I'm saying it but it's it's, it's interesting it's the one type of video game that, that actually matters mm-hmm. which is such a weird thing to say because usually you know like the whole mm-hmm. Switch for example the whole point of the Switch for the example game is like you. yeah but like the whole point of the Switch for example is um, hey everything you love on your TV also works on Go everything you love on the Go also works on your TV and that's true but for horror games but if you want that extra notch if you want that extra step you really want to be in it you gotta just get vr i guess i don't know it's the one thing that makes me that makes vr almost sound like a thing that could actually exist in the future outside of arcades that seems to be vr's future now is just like you go to a place and they have vr there like you're gonna do it with mario kart i'm sure in japan in december yeah definitely yeah, yeah i'm i'm really jealous that you get to play that but. should be even though it's my fault but yeah 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 should we tell that story now okay <laughs> no they know it yeah. oh do they yeah oh yeah okay um, yeah, if you don't, they, and you want to know it, if you don't, you want to know it, just tweet us. <laughs> uh, is there? I don't know. Is there anything else to know? Well, what's your favorite? I guess what's your favorite like horror game or tense? Like, because you play all the Resident Evils and everything, and you maybe played Silent Hill. No. Okay, so you played all the Resident Evil. Which is your favorite Resident Evil? Let's do that. Probably between Revelations or five. More than four. I like the co-op. Uh, right. If we're just talking, you and Elvis, yeah, yeah. 
Anything with co-op? I mean, I even like Well, does six. the co-op... So here's a different question. Does the co-op take out the tension and immersion Oh, no. If anything, it adds it sometimes because... Because you guys are, like, shining back and forth? Yeah, because we're shining back and forth. We're looking after each other, like... But there's no jump scares. There's, still, there? there's still plenty of jump scares. There, there was a really good one in Resident Evil 6, because that one was also co-op, where, like... We were both fighting a boss. Obus lost track of the boss, and then it just popped up behind them. And then we were playing like he was playing here at in Southgate, and I was still in Santa Barbara. No, where was he? It was no, it was the other way around. Mm-hmm. He was in San Diego, and I was playing here. Right. And we were yeah, we were just chatting through Mike, and I just hear. Oh, well, I guess it's a little different if you're in separate rooms. I mean, yeah. if you're like physically next to each other. That well, I mean, away? sometimes they do that with the with the double screens. Like we'll put a monitor uh, next sure. to the big screen. But yeah. either way, like I mean, I hear him scream, and then that kind of lets me know that the zombie's near him. And it was more funny for me, but scary for him. But then right. I also have those moments when you lose track of the enemy. Right. Yeah. Because I feel like I feel like with me, like if I go see a, it just makes a it more thriller, fun. like a movie that's a thriller or something, or if I'm watching something here, like with you and some other people, I feel like usually people like at the tensest parts, are like, oh yeah, I'm gonna make a joke now to cut the tensions. So it's just like dissipates. So I assume that's how it would be with the game, but it sounds like now. No. I mean, if you're playing with the right person, it also helps that both yeah. of you are very easy to startle. Yeah, so it was just really fun. I've literally startled you when I'm in mid-sentence. Like, I'm already talking, and then I slightly change my pitch or my or my volume, and you semi-jump. So It's never happened, and you can't prove it. But, yeah. It, it, it has, it, and it, I can. It, it, it just makes the games a lot more fun. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. What about you? Uh, wait, what was the question I asked you? Oh, favorite Resident Evil, right. Uh, I already forgot. I think 4. It just felt so different at the time. And, well, I played it on Wii, so I was a little late to the I didn't party. play it until after I played 5 and 6. Oh, so. no wonder. Yeah, so I, I got... Star Fox I got, Syndrome all over again, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, literally. I got um, the Wii version when... I think when it first came out on Wii, because I missed it on GameCube. Um, and yeah, it was just like... First of all, it worked really well with motion controls. I mean, 5 was my first Resident Evil. So. Oh, no wonder. Then no I had wonder. to retroactively go back and... That should have been something to say at the sentence. start of your sentence there. But, uh, or start your story there. But yeah, for me it was four. It, uh, I don't know, it just, like I was starting to say, the motion controls just worked really well. Like, the aiming just felt really good. And what was cool about Resident Evil 4 is in the tenser parts, I didn't even think of this before, but as it got more tense, um, and you had to aim, physically aim, oh, yeah. you would, I would miss all my shots. Like, there, that was the, that was probably the most, like, besides, uh, Resident Evil 7 VR, that was probably the most, like, back and forth it felt with the game, where it's like, it's affecting me, which is affecting how I play the game. Opposed to just, like, am I good at the game, am I bad at the game? But it was like, you know, as things get tense or chaotic or whatever, you're kind of scrambling, you're flailing a bit more, you're not aiming as steady, and that actually yeah. made a huge difference to the Having experience. steady, and that, that's actually a really cool thing that it... Yeah. It just kind of added without... Maybe it was intentional, but... Oh, it was definitely yeah. intentional. Nice. That, that's why... I think that's why it's higher rated than the GameCube one. Yeah. That, see, that, that's one of the few success stories of, like, a traditional game coming to Wii where, like, Bully also fit that bill where, like, like Metroid punching Prime, out punching out yeah. people with the controllers. Metroid Prime 3, I felt, was also better with yeah. controls. Similar reason, similar yeah, reason. Because if you're running and gunning and you have to literally move your body, it makes it just that much harder. Mm. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that games are this unique thing where, like, it affecting you affects you affecting it. And it just becomes this, like, vicious loop, vicious cycle that never ends. Definitely. Oh d- well, I guess does does Lavender Town count actually as a scary thing? I never thought of it as scary. Me neither. I just wanted to bring it back to Pokemon Go somehow. The music with it was very shrill. It's very shrill. You know, uh, Pokemon Go Gen Three has um, a remix of that song. Does it now? It does. Well, it does. I guess I have to hear it somehow. I guess you will. You know, I do happen to have my cell phone right here, right after we're done recording, which we could be wrapping up right now. Actually, unless you have any other Halloween thoughts. 
Uh, no. All right. That's kind of a cool little, like, alternate to what we're playing. So Yeah, maybe for Christmas we should do our favorite winter-themed game. So just any any platformer with a snowy stage? Winter-themed game. So Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games 2014, 2012. That's the only one I could think of. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, Snowboard Kids. 1080 snowboarding? Yeah, and Snowboard Kids too. Yeah, any game that primarily <laughs> like also, takes like place. Yeah, um, ski, ski free. Yeah, think of... That's the thing? Oh, that's the arcade one. No, that's the the Windows game where you're like slope going down slopes. Oh, and, oh, and, and, and steep if it ever comes to Switch. Yeah, so games like that. Tune in the week of Christmas, guys, <laughs> for our most riveting podcast ever, where we're going to just repeat the list of games we just said and then be like, never played them, and that'll be it. <laughs> but yeah, I think that pretty much does it for this episode. Um, yeah, we uh, will be back in two weeks' time on November 12th. And it's going to be a doozy of an episode because not only do we have our full Mario Odyssey impressions, as we already told you we would, but we also, as we already told you we would, will have our um, whole breakdown of Nintendo's financials, their first half of their fiscal year of the Switch. That's important. That's This is the make or break. Well, we know it made. We know Switch is doing well, but we're going to see how well and what it means for the future and what, if anything, Nintendo cryptically says about what's next because they always do. So we'll have that. We'll have Mario Impressions. The easiest way to make sure you tune, uh, you don't miss it is to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all of them. There's a ton now. So just like go find us. Whatever you use, we're there. Hey, Castle Foss on Twitter, at Ramtendo, or individually, I am JSR7. Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And I would like to thank you very much for taking two hours and four minutes of your busy Mario Odyssey, Odyssey playing day to listen to us talk about everything but Mario Odyssey. And we'll be back in two weeks to tell you all about Mario Odyssey. And in the meantime, please go back to playing Mario Odyssey. Oh! Bef- what? <laughs> <laughs> Jump scare! Um, yeah. That was such a perfect ending. All your Odyssey thing about it just reminded me of one thing that I did want to say, even after you asked me if I wanted to say anything. Um, so in honor of games that just came out that quote-unquote go back to the roots... Um, because we did do this a long time ago with Zelda A Link Between Worlds because that game quote unquote brought Zelda back to its roots that wasn't like, the reason the we did it but okay no I know it wasn't it was just because that was alright what's the bet yeah you know exactly where I'm going right you want me to beat Mario Wallace and what happens if I don't yeah so you have I'm giving you one full month just to beat the story of Mario Odyssey okay it took me six hours it'll probably take you six hours also but I don't know how what if have... I start exploring that's on you you're making me play it like you play it that's a big ask I mean that's news to complete the story you could Go back and play uh, however right, you want. Right, right. And if I don't, and if I do, um, hmm. you should have thought about. This. I can't even talk anymore. <laughs> yeah, I like, already wrapped up. My mouth turned <laughs> off. I ended the show two minutes ago. <laughs> so, if you finish it, then yeah. you get to add one more game to your list of completed games. That's it. Wait, uh, but if I wait, what? <laughs> no, no, no. I have something. You uh, know, the last time we did this, we put like an eShop card on the line. No, I know. No, no, I know. That was actually what I was going to say. Hey, let's do this. Um, that, um, if you win, um, I'll get a, a $10 eShop card. And we'll give it away on the site? Yeah, we'll give it to the site. Okay. If you lose, then, well then. I pay for a $10 eShop card. The site wins either. Yeah, Listeners yeah, win there, there either you go. way. There you go. There you go. Here that guys, so you one, win either way. So one month from tomorrow, because that's when you get to start playing. You get to start one playing month it. from the day this podcast goes live, which is the 29th so of October. So you get 30 days, because not every month so basic, is created equal. Right. So basically, end of Thanksgiving weekend? Sure. I'm four, checking if that's the correct. Four Sundays, whatever. 
Um, so I guess you actually get the twenty ninth is actually right before Thanksgiving, or yeah, it's after. Thanksgiving. Yeah, just count the fourth Sunday, and you're good. So two podcasts for now. Deal. All right. Hey, remember all that cool stuff I said about Mario Aussie? And I was like, you should go play Aussie now that you stopped playing Aussie, so you can listen to us talk about not playing Aussie. Well, guess what? Now you can go play Aussie. We'll see you in two weeks. Oh,